0: The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that educates new and experienced gamers about the joys of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Dice Throw in our Game of the Week, review 2022 in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with our High Five Games from 2022. <laughs> Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast, or I should say, welcome back to the Game Schooler welcome Podcast. <laughs> I am your host Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, the esteemed Doctor Michael McCabe. How's it going, What's Michael? What's
1: happening, Doug? It's great to be back on air. Yeah, in we're gonna Game Schooler
0: Studios headquarters here. We're gonna find out if this is like riding a bike, or if I'm gonna fall off this chair and break my yeah, collarbone.
1: Yeah, could be a little bit of both. I'll, I'll ride the bike. You break your collarbone.
0: Yeah, so we're uh, we are back. We took a little hiatus over the holidays, and we our first break, official break in two years. And we are going forward with the concepts. We want to highlight the positive parts of tabletop gaming. Oh, absolutely! Really, really focus on those things. And uh, we're going to kind of mix up this opening segment a little bit uh, for those of you that have been with us for the entire 100 episodes. Welcome to 101. Yes. Um, But we want to talk about what's awesome in gaming. That's going to be our new opening segment for the time being. And that we're just going to share things that, that have happened to us and, and things that we think are awesome that we want to talk about. So Michael, what do you think is awesome in gaming? Where do you want me to begin? <laughs> yeah, well, with, with four or five me- weeks of backlog. Uh, mechanics, theme, how, how do you want
1: this to go? Talk <laughs> Any- about favorite expansions I've played lately. Anywhere
0: talk- you want it to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about where the podcast is going. And, you know, as our listeners, we're going to continue to emphasize the things that we have been emphasizing. But based on, on feedback that we've gotten and some data that we've gotten, we also want to continue to build on uh, some of the segments and ideas that have worked really well. So in this segment about what I think is awesome with gaming, I am excited, and you're going to hear a lot about this over the next five to six episodes, Doug, or weeks as we call them in in our regular (laughs) life. Um, I'm excited to play games that I have in my collection. Uh, 2022 was definitely an amazing year for games, and I acquired a a lot and added several titles to my collection. But in doing a recent inventory check, there was just way too much shrink wrap on my shelves, games (laughs) that were completely unplayed. Yeah, uh, so to start the year, I have a few new personal challenges. I'm going to see how long I can hold out before I buy my first game. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens here. And uh, that's But what I think is awesome in gaming, There's so many different games out there. There yeah. is a game to fit every theme. There is a game to fit every type of mechanic, even if it hasn't been discovered yet.
0: Yes. Yeah, so. I think I have gotten a new game in, but I think I ordered it before uh, the new yeah, year that's that's 2022 so, uh, no, yeah no, no, it's no, no. in the old You're, thing we'll see how long we'll, i can we'll hold compete, out on that we'll compete we'll Speaking see who of, the biggest winner is in of the the amount of games and and uh stuff like that one of the things that's that has been i've enjoyed recently is going through my collection and re- doing it on Board Game Geek and yeah. kind of updating it. So it's like as the year goes on, you we get more stuff in, stuff is leaving, and it gets out of date fairly quickly. And so I've had a good time going through my collection, seeing what I have, and, and to your point, what I haven't played, what stuff is – I'm ready to move on from or yeah. or or reminders of like, oh, this is a really great game and I gotta I gotta make an effort to get that back to the table. Right. Um I've really enjoyed that, which is a, a whole separate section of the hobby, right? It's not has nothing to do with playing games, but I love that that part of the of, collection of, aspect. Yeah, yeah, of curating a collection and yeah. saying, Okay, why am I holding on to this? Right and and looking at that type of stuff. Um the other thing that has been cool is, which happens over every every break and every holiday, but being able to play games with family yeah. over the holidays, kids and brother-in-laws and uh, that type of stuff. Um, I got to see my daughter dive into Dice Throne uh, over this break, which was uh, a cool development. and Something that I didn't actually think would would happen. You know, I, I thought, okay, well, this would be cool someday. Um, someday is now. Yeah. And then yeah. just kind of happened. So that was cool.
1: That'll be fun to talk more about as we get into our, our game of the week segment. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Um, my four-year-old. Is That's who you got into Dice Throne? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> as, a, as my gamer dad cred, my yeah. four-year-old is proficient in Dice Throne. And, and in Shadow Thief, the more complex <laughs> character, not the easy uh, one. No, but my four-year-old has been so excited about gaming and playing games. She always gets really excited no matter what it is. And I guess that, to me... I mean, obviously, part of, of of the tabletop game hobby is sharing it with people. Yep. Um, but in this case, it's like, this was not something that I forced, right? And I think people, parents especially are, like, so anxious to get their kids gaming. Right. Like, oh, I, I'll have my own grown-in gaming buddy. Yeah. And it's like, I've got one daughter that, that loves to, to play and has graduated up to – to dice throwing and some of the things that I'm like, okay, now we're getting into that medium weight she can handle. Yeah. I've got one daughter that's like, eh, I'll play or not play. And I've got another one on the, you know, the, the youngest one that's really jazzed up and, than you are. and ja- jacked up about it, you know? So uh, it's fun to have, don't force it. Um, find the games that your kids like, but it, it has been cool watching that, that development. That's and, awesome. And even going back in time and thinking about the oldest one and and the the time where you play a game and it was okay, you lost and we're having tears. Right. To now, you're getting completely blown out in the game. And oh, I just love the game, though. Well, you I mean, know, and it's a very different
1: approach. We didn't talk about this coming into it, but. The tie-in that I want to make for this opening segment about what's awesome and what you're talking about is: great games bring people together. Mm-hmm. And I had that experience at, at family Christmas as well. I walked in, and you know, a year and a half ago, I talked about playing Catan with my family. With well, that same family now has graduated and moved on to other games. And I walk in, the first thing I hear is, "Do you know how to play Root?" It's like, "Yeah, <laughs> let's go!" And there's a, a three-hour event. That happened with my brother-in-law and my nephews, and it came down to the final play. It was just one of those memorable experiences where um, being able to play games with people, not just over time, but people who I don't get to see all of the time. Yeah, that that, that's something that I'm I'm really valuing.
0: Yeah, which is weird. You know, you bring that that up where. ties back into the, the curating of the collection is I have those moments and I imagine maybe with, because you have a copy of Root, right? Yeah, I do, with okay. an expansion that's right. still in the shrink. So here's <laughs> here's the thing that I feel like you'll run into, which I have run into in the past, is that you have that amazing experience now in your memory. And so it's going to be really tough to actually trade it, even though yeah. it's been on my, my trade yeah. list for six months. It. It's like, I, I don't think it. I could trade that now. Anyone else in your immediate family that's ever going to play that with you and it's like, but I had yeah, that really great time but once. my brother-in-law <laughs> and his
1: sons, that was so much fun at Christmas of 2022. Yeah. So, you know, you're exactly right, Doug. That uh, little half of my calyx, uh, the half of a shelf is now occupied by a game that might not ever get played again. But that's part of having a collection.
0: All right. Anything else that's awesome that you want to talk about? You know,
1: I do, but I think I'm going to save it for our later segments. I'll tie it in to our later segments.
0: All right. Last thing I've got is... Tickets for Gen Con go on sale on the 29th of January. Yeah. So that is something uh, cool. That's kind of the biggest event in the United States for gaming. For those of you that don't know about that, it's a big uh, four-day four convention all about tabletop and hobby games, Dungeons and & Dragons, and yeah, everything. And so I'm going for
1: my first time this year,
0: Doug. I'm planning on attending. Have you been before? I have not. This will also be my first time, so um, we're looking forward to that. Assuming we get badges, I don't know what the we camp on. How
1: could we not get a badge? I I don't know
0: how fast they sell out or if they do. Yeah. So that's uh, some of the things that are awesome in tabletop gaming this week. Uh, just before we move on, I want to remind everybody to spread the word about the podcast. If this is something that you enjoy, if this is your first time listening, thanks for for hopping aboard. We're trying to make this a a welcoming place for new gamers and an exciting place for experienced gamers. Uh, as we dive in, we do a, a deep dive on a game every week, and we'll get uh, into that as we go along. We do the school of gaming segment where we're talking about uh, you know different. Keywords, concepts, things that are going on in the hobby in a a school of gaming segment. We always wrap it up with a high five list at the end of the episode. Uh, on various topics, so spread the word if if this is something that you think uh, and you know th- your family and friends would enjoy. We'd love to to increase our listeners. Yeah, thanks for that review, Doug. I, I forgot about what we do, so I'm I'm really helpful to have that <laughs> yeah. reminder too. Yeah. It's been a few weeks. So. Um, and then always if you have uh, questions or comments, you want to talk to us, you can always contact us. Email at gameschooler dot com. Again, email at gameschooler dot com. And with that, let's move on to the game of the week.
1: The game of the week. The game of the week is an in depth look at a family friendly game we think you should try if you get the chance. This week's game is Dice Throne by Roxley. Doug, give us the stats.
0: Yeah, before I get into the stats, I want to just kind of do a little recap of what we've switched up about this segment, right? In the past, we've had a, a recommended game of the week, and we've got 100 recommended games. Going forward, we're having a, a game of the week. We're trying to avoid some of that consumerism, right? Right. We,
1: we don't want our listeners running out and spending $6,000 a year. Where in yes. all seriousness, if somebody were to go out and say, man, I love the Game Schooler podcast. I love what you're doing. I went out and got 52 games just to to get caught up oh, wow, good for you, thank you, but you just spent five to $6,000. I mean, okay. And yeah. so we're we're about playing games, bringing people together, play what's in your collection, go b- borrow from a
0: friend, share your collection, and, and, and get out there and get after it. Yeah, go play a game at a, at a convention. If a buddy's got this, go and play it and try it before you buy it. But we think these are great games that we want to talk about and share and celebrate. Doesn't mean go out and buy them, but give them a try if you can. Yeah, so, Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah. the only other thing from our stringent criteria that we
1: modified is availability. There are so many games that are available on the secondary market or sometimes where publishers will just randomly drop them out and you can sign up for a newsletter and get them. So that that's just one thing that going forward, our listeners are going to hear about some games that uh, in the past, certainly the first 100 episodes, we had to be able to get the game. We thought that that was so important. And the world's just kind of changed a little bit there, especially in the secondary market with trading and buying and things like that.
0: Yeah. And this was a game uh, that we have loved for a long time. You've heard us talk about it, if you've listened to the podcast in the past, um, but it was one of those that the way that we fell into this game was through the the cooperative version, and the cooperative version requires you to buy that version and a couple of characters, and it gets pricey. Now, there's yeah. some alternatives we'll talk about later. But it, this was one that we loved and we wanted to talk about so bad, but it didn't meet those stringent criteria. So changing some of those things around, it, we want to celebrate and talk about the things that we really love. So we're we um, going to jump in right on Dice Throne Adventures? Is that uh, where we're nope, going? No, I'm just okay. – I've got a general – so this is kind of a weird one because there's a lot of different versions and things that we're going to be talking about with just – It's a franchise. The, the system, yeah. right? Um so originally came out in 2018. The designers are Nate Chatelier and Manny Tremblay. Is that wrong? Uh, no, you just left out Gavin Brown, who's also a Oh, I've
1: you know, got him on the art a, and okay. the and Manny, no, Manny Trembley's the art. Gavin and and also has has as, done the design and Yep. Gavin Brown is is a, a lead designer as well.
0: Okay, and 2 to 6 players, 20 to 40 minutes ages eight and up. And according to Board Game Geek on their complexity scale, also known as their weight, it is a 2.23 out of five. Well, and that's all over the place, depending
1: on which dice thrown characters. But yeah, it's... it's I,
0: and this, is, yep. this information is taken from the uh, Board Game Geek general dice thrown entry. Yeah. So there's entries for all the different things. So I'm going to give you a brief overview, and then I'm going to just talk about, I've got a list here of all the different versions and things that are out there. Um, so it may sound like so. You're telling me I'm going to want to add a few things after you <laughs> no. get done. Yeah. So Dice Throne is a fast-paced. We'll get into more detailed gameplay after this, but is a fast-paced two to six player combat game. You select from a variety of heroes that play and feel completely distinct from one another. You attack opponents and activate abilities by rolling your hero's unique set of five dice. You accumulate combat points and spend them on cards that have l- large range of effects, such as granting permanent hero upgrades, applying status effects, and manipulating dice directly, whether yours or your teammates or even your opponents. Um, this came out originally as kind of a box set. They now have here's what's available right now: is a season one rerolled, which is a whole set of. 10? I just I eight. I thought it was eight characters. I think there's I think in the in the big chest there's two extra okay. characters, but I could be wrong. Um and then they had a season 2 battle chest. Um but for each of those the cool thing is that um they have battle packs so yeah. you can get uh, only two characters so you can get the barbarian and the moon elf or the monk versus a paladin. So basically you can get into the Dice Throne universe for under $20 with uh, one set. Yep. Yep.
1: To- with a single set you'll have two characters, you'll be able to go head to head and get after it and have
0: fun. So they had the reroll, the season was the So basically they changed some things in season 2 that then they reapplied. There's eight in each one? 8 eight in season 1 for sure.
1: I'm I'm looking right at it and I looked at it right before I came over here. In the reroll too? Um,
0: in the season one re there are eight characters. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so they did some changes in season two that they went back and redid for season one. That's why that re came out. So they're all now uniform all across the set. Then they had come in, came out with the Dice Throne Adventures, which is a cooperative system um, where you can take a, a couple of heroes and go through – a whole scenario campaign going from dungeon crawls to boss battles and everything in between. Uh, that was followed up by Marvel Dice Throne, which was a, a complete set um, with eight characters in it. However, uh, at like Target, you can get a, a pack of four. That has Scarlet Witch, Thor, Loki, and Spider-Man. And then also they have the battle packs too with Black Widow versus Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel versus Black Panther. Uh, So all those come in one big set if you want to get them from Roxley. They're on their website. Um, And then the last most current thing that came out was Dice Throne Santa versus Krampus, which is what me and my daughter got into over the holidays. And we were going back and forth playing that like crazy. Um, do you want me to get into more of a play by play of turn structure or where do no, you No, wanna... I
1: think that's a, a really good intro into the the basic thing that you you, you need to know about Dice Throne Adventures is there's a lot of different characters. Some of them are extremely simple. They're gonna beat up on other characters. Other characters are more complex. They're gonna have setup moves and have little sidekicks and companions. And so that really it, it allows uh, newer gamers to jump in with very experienced, you know, gamers who have a very large collection, and be at a level playing field, um, and so you can do the player versus player and just battle each other. But then with the Dice Throne Adventures, that allows you to go through and do a major boss battle or a dungeon crawl experience. And you know, the boss battle will take about an hour. The dungeon crawl can range; it can be up to two to three hours depending on how yeah. you do. And so those are those are the experiences in the Dice Throne universe. I was while you were talking, I was trying to log into my Facebook here and just see. There, is- this is a rabid community, folks. Um, the there is a very large Facebook group of people that are talking rules, are showing off their minis, are asking for clarification. The designers are in on it. Uh, and so I, I think now is a great time to talk about the actual turn structure and the cards and the dice and what you do.
0: Yeah, so Dice Throne is going to be based on a Yahtzee mechanism, all right? Every hero has a board in front of them with different dice combinations that are going to activate when they are rolled. For example, uh, sets of certain dice or uh, straights that you may get, you know, if you get a large straight or a short straight, a lot of those things that pop up in and, and Yahtzee along with some Uh, different, you know, a full house combination of of those type of things. Each dice has symbols and numbers on them. So you're trying to roll different symbols. Um, And of course, your your Yahtzee or all sixes is like your ultimate ability. That's just crazy off the charts. So everything is revolving around that basic Yahtzee structure of rolling three dice uh, three times to try and get the combinations that you want. And the combinations are going to be unique to the character. Yep. So some of, them, some of them may not have um, a, a giant set of low numbers, that type of thing. Uh, every turn is going to start with an upkeep phase. You're going to get combat points um, and draw cards. Then goes into a, a main phase where you can use those combat points to upgrade your board. Um, those... Uh, so you can get those combinations so maybe your your large straight combination is more powerful after you upgraded or your defensive ability is more powerful. You get then into your main offensive role phase where you are doing that Yahtzee mechanism. However, there's also cards that you can play during that time that are instant abilities, and those are cards that are manipulating your dice roll. It's allowing you to to turn some into sixes or re-roll some dice, that type of thing. So at the start of the game, each player is going to draw four cards and then
1: have, um, I think it's two CP, but you have this little dial um, that gives you CP, and, and the cards cost CP to play out of your hand. And each turn at the very beginning of your turn, you will add a CP and draw a card. So it's not just a dice chucker and battler. There's also that hand management uh decision point that I think in my family with my oldest kid we we love. We we yeah. just love that that sense of am I gonna play a card? Because you can also sell a card at any time to increase your CP. Yeah. So for some players you you need to have cards. There's a hand limit um and, and it's just a nice little battle uh game that's set up and, and so we're really talking about the player versus player in can we shift into dice throwing adventures or not yet well I just, yeah let's Keep going. F- yep, let's yep, finish yep. up
0: so once once you've then uh decided on okay this is a dice. Uh, set that i'm going to use i want to activate this ability um, then your opponent is going to do a defensive role that might prevent some of that damage might give some damage back to you once all the attacks are resolved there's kind of a, a cleanup a secondary main phase where you could play more cards out if you want to 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 uh, upgrade your board depending on how that works out and then if you have more than car- six cards, you have to sell them. You get the CP for them, but basically discard down to six, and then it transfers back over to the other person. So that's the main gameplay that's happening uh, throughout the game. So yeah. in the cooperative version... Yeah, in Dice Throne Adventures,
1: it alternates from boss battle to dungeon crawl. So in a boss battle, there's going to be... A, a, And it all builds up to the final level where you take on the mad king. Uh, but there are basically failed heroes that you're taking on in the boss battle. And and what I love about Dice Throne Adventures, and right now the MSRP is $80. So I want to share that with folks. I mean, it's more, it is certainly on the expensive side. Uh, Semicolon, however, comma, in my house for an $80 game, it's gotten more play than anything else. Because um, you can go through a boss battle With more than two people in a way that is, I think, even more accessible than just doing a a one-on-one on one -one with, with three different heroes. You're working together and you're using each other's strengths in that initial boss battle that I think really pulls people in. And here's what's awesome. At the end of each level... I'm going to refer to them as levels because level one would be a boss battle. Level two is yep. a level one. Yeah. Level,
0: it starts with a dungeon crawl. Dungeon vangos. crawl level yep. one.
1: Um, and then level two is a boss battle where you're fighting your first big boss. Um, you get to go to the marketplace and you get cards that improve your deck. So as the game... Becomes more and more difficult. Your abilities become more and more awesome. Yep. Uh, all of a sudden, you can draw three cards, and it's not going to cost you CP. It can be an instant action for for one or for none. Um, there, there's also a deck limit of, of fifty cards. So if you're playing this over time. Um, it's really easy to either leave out on a table that doesn't have a lot of foot traffic or put it away. Yeah. This is a game that you can get out and, and put away in just a few minutes once you kind of know how everything fits together.
0: Yeah, and when you're going through, so when you play a boss battle, everybody shares one health dial and fights this boss who has a huge amount of health and you're just trying to knock them down. When you go through that, that dungeon crawl, you're fighting a whole bunch of smaller little minions yeah. and doing these little battles where maybe for example a uh, 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 one of the minions might only have 12 power you know and you're trying to knock them down sometimes you can do it with a single single round depending on how well you roll you know things like that so you're doing a, a whole bunch of small battles and then in the boss battle you do one gigantic one but you're all sharing health which is another interesting concept so Stepping back from the, the gameplay stuff, what are some of the things that you really like about this game? Well, I, I, this might
1: be a bad moment in parenting, especially for somebody who's a former teacher and <laughs> principal. But I emailed my child during the day. And I said, Josie, uh, uh, we've, for episode 101 tonight, Game Schooler podcast, we've got dice thrown. What's one thing you like about it? And Josie came back right away and she said, the competitiveness and the art and we talked more about it at dinner tonight and then she got into mechanics and things like that that you wouldn't expect a 13-year-old to say but the competitiveness that competitive tension and the art oh my goodness did Manny Trembly and team you know the 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 art just knocked this out of the park um i'm going to talk more about this later in the show foreshadow but the most recent version Santa versus Krampus got a ton of play in our house because Once you know how this system works, you can try different characters and then you see the nuances of their abilities. Um, so, I, lo- I personally like the variety. I love the diversity of the characters and all the different things that they can do. You know, right now in front of me, I have Doctor Strange and Thor set up from the Marvel Dice Throne um, series because there was a game where I took Doctor Strange, I'd studied and done all the rules, and I was like, I am going to take down whoever Josie picks. I'm, I'm going to go all in and destroy my child here. Well, Josie picked Thor and it was over in like five moves because Doctor Strange couldn't get anything built and Thor just beat him up, beat him up, beat him up, has an awesome defense and the game was over. And then the next day I'm looking back at it, this is so good thematically. So um, the more that I've, I've played this series, you see all the little pieces with the characters, especially it comes out in the Marvel Dice Throne because that's a known, a known IP, right? Yeah. People know about Marvel, uh, but even in the universe that they created with season one and season two, those characters—I mean, I—I'm I'm a fanboy of the Shadow Thief. I kind of want to get one of those black T-shirts eventually someday. It's on my want-to-have list, <laughs> and walk around at a convention with it. Um, it so and that was the first character. That you was played the first at, character right? I played. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and. So I like that, that there are some characters that are very straightforward and you can just go in and I'm going to beat everybody up. And then there are other characters that you see the complexity where you have to be thinking multiple moves. I can't just think this move. I have to think the next move and I have to be thinking defense. So I like
0: that strategy built into the game. How about yeah. you? Well, you know, one of the things that's kind of unique for me about this game is that depending on the game, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm adverse to... Take that competition. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some games where it doesn't work for me and I'm like, this is just uh, too aggressive for me or something. Well, because you're, you're a theme guy. If it's an animal game in the forest, you don't want to take that, right? But yeah, if it's a, yeah. a, a fantasy superhero. But this one works for me where it's like you can play competitively head-to-head And there's so many different choices going on that it's not just like, I played this card and it was better. It's like, you have to roll the dice. So there's luck of a dice. It's like those moments where I'm hanging on by two points and the person I'm playing against completely whiffs on all of their dice rolls and ends up with nothing and I can come back and win. You were talking about me last week. Like that those elements are in the game. Yeah. That it's like... I've I've not played you know I've not played a game w- of this where one player has completely destroyed the other one. Right. I mean I've gotten to points where it's like, okay, I didn't think it, but it was like, yeah, well you got the ultimate and you did that, like something right. good happened, and even that doesn't feel like it's not depressing. It's like, well, well you just had a great turn, awesome, I and think it's exciting for the the player. You're almost just as excited for the other person when they get that ultimate. Mm. Then that you are like, oh, God, I guess I'm taking 30, da- 20 damage. You know, it's like, I can't believe you got that. That was so yeah. awesome. You know, maybe that's just from playing with my kids, you yeah. know, that it's like they get excited and I get excited. But it's always, you know, and just those even the take that stuff is is fun where it's like, ah, eh, how about you reroll that six? Well, and, that, and it, that's it works what I, without being mean somehow. Or I don't perceive it as mean. It's not
1: mean. I love the balance of hidden and known information. So I can see you roll. I could see, okay, he's going towards his ultimate. Okay, he got his ultimate with all sixes. You know that I have three cards in my hand. But did you know that one of these cards is a tippet? So suddenly... That six that you have, I'm gonna tip it to a five because that's what the card does. But little did I know that you have one card in your hand, and it allows you to turn any card into a six. And you play that, and suddenly at the table, there's that. Ah, yeah, yeah. That that level of excitement. I love how that comes together with the what you know and what you don't know and what you think you know and. That's why I shared that experience of Doctor Strange and Thor because the one time where I thought I had everything mapped out and I was going to be able to win big, I I got too cute, as we we <laughs> say, right? I, I needed to just play the actual game in front of me. Icarus um, too, flew too yeah, close to the sun. Yeah, so. I I just I love the balance. I love how those instant cards can be played at any time, but there are roll phase and main phase cards that can only be played during specific phases of the turn. Yeah. So because there are three, and there's only three, there's not 12 different kinds of card types, but because there are three card types, and I don't know what you're holding or potentially what's going to come out of the villain deck if we're playing adventures. Oh man, all those little tension and decision points come together very nicely.
0: Yeah, I mean I love the the Yahtzee feel. I'm I'm always a fan of oh, yeah. the, of that Yahtzee, but the idea of taking that to the the next level with upgrade cards and dice manipulation. It's like if you distill down and say, "Okay, King of Tokyo has Yahtzee elements in it, but there's not very many ways to manipulate your dice." Yep. And the the upgrades and powers seem Mm, random and it's like it came out and i had the energy and i bought it this every player has their own dice set they have their own set of cards where there are some cards that are the same for every character but they're also very unique cards for each character that's like yes i know i just made this ability way stronger now my defense is better i get to roll more dice on defense you know whatever it is that you know and some of them give you a uh, there's somewhere it's like a large straight, but then it may give you, uh, and then there's a small straight, but then when you upgrade the small straight one, it gives you another little bonus action that's maybe only 3 in a row or a, a set of 3 instead of a set of 4 so there's extra dice combinations that you can unlock for some characters and i love that manipulation that you're talking
1: of the actual board when you yeah, so you can yeah. play cards we didn't actually talk about this but we kind of you can play cards out of your hand that improve your board so when you look down on your board based on your dice roll, you're typically going to have anywhere from six to seven different attack options that you can take. And we've, we've mentioned if you have a small straight or a large straight, those are going to be some good ones. But then there are other attack options based on the dice combinations because the dice, has have, the dice have numbers and symbols on them. Some characters also have two different defenses, but most characters just have one defense that can be activated. And each of those attacks and defenses can be improved with cards out of your hand, but you can't do it every time because sometimes you have to burn cards to be able to play other cards. Yeah, So- you're gonna improve your board or hold back cards in your hand in case you get attacked. All those little decisions
0: are well. And the the dice are awesome. They're all custom dice, and it has yeah. something that you know. I've I've played other games that do the the symbol number combination, and it's like these are all really easy to read. They're, they're the clear. Symbol, the symbols are big. The numbers are big. So there's no debating on. Oh, wait, what was that again? Is that a three I, or a like, two? Like, everyone no, you I've could played, see the three across the table. Played is really clear. Um, when you start getting into, you know, gameplay stuff, it's like, I love managing the resources of your combat points. I love managing the number of roles that you have and throwing in the, the, the risk management that pops up in that, where you're saying, okay, do I scrap everything I've rolled so far? Or am I really going for the ultimate? Do I have anything I can do to mitigate that? And if I yeah. go for it, am I gonna, you know, there are times where it's like, um, am I am I going to settle with what I have here, or try and push it? And if I do push it, is there any backup plan that I have? Those type of things. Um, times where you roll a great roll right out of the gate, and it's like I kind of wanted something else, but I already have this now. Should yeah. I just pivot and do that tactical thinking that pops up? You know, so some of those gameplay elements. Oh, and we
1: could talk another hour of- about this because even in the damage, there's defendable damage, there's undefendable damage. There's yeah. also something that's delightful called collateral damage. <laughs> and so if 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 an attack is defendable, that means Doug's going to get a defense roll. If it's undefendable, Doug does not get a defense roll, and I might have a modifier that turns that four undefendable damage into seven undefendable damage. So after my first dice roll... Do I want to just attack for seven or do I want to go for it and get 11 that could be defendable? So, all those different decisions come in from turn one.
0: Yes. Yeah. And and the, I mean, even the defensive abilities are really unique where Mm -hmm. some of them are actually defending damage. Some defense abilities don't prevent any damage, but they either help build you up late for later in the game or they do some damage back to the opponent. So yeah. maybe you're hitting me for eight, but I get three back at you. Yeah, um, And so even those decisions go into effect when you're thinking, okay, how far do I want to push this? It's like, well, they don't have a defensive... They're not going to be able to stop any of it. Yeah. you know, So there's so many cool things that are happening. So, um, okay, I, I, I
1: have one more point here, and you might beat me up on this a little bit, <laughs> but to me, um, Dice Throne is very much... Dice Throne is to grown man as American Girl doll is to child in my house. Okay, There is a depth to each character and a backstory to each character that I value and appreciate and enjoy that is at the same level of American Girl dolls for my daughters. And any person who has had to hop on a train or go to an American Girl doll store that's 2 hours from my house with your kid yeah it's it's fun but you also know like Oh my gosh, this is going to be an expensive day. How many board games could I have bought if I didn't come here? But yeah, I digress. American Girl dolls can be awesome if, if
0: you're you into in you dolls. Do you get but, the quiz on, on what their names all yeah, are? Yeah, but
1: you know what I mean? Like, okay, Julie from the 1980s, and she's got, you know, but then, like, what's going on here? Maybe Julie's in the 70s. I don't know if she's the one of Bell Bombs. I got them confused. But what I'm saying is in Dice Throne, the characters, there's a depth to them. And when we got the Santa versus Krampus, Krampus, and, and, and we're playing that. I wanted to play as Santa because I wanted to see how thematically it was, and oh my goodness, it was amazing. And then you know, Josie's playing as as Krampus, and we're going back and forth. We had the same experience with Thor and Loki when we played a game, and we had just finished watching uh, Loki on Disney Disney Plus, and so we got into it. And we're like, look at how deep this is, and there's a richness to the characters. I don't have that. In a lot of games in my collection, you can hmm. just tell the amount of care and thought and intelligence that went into designing this. And you can hop on Board Game Geek or anybody and find people that are unhappy about it. But I'm telling you, Dice Throne it has 15.3, um, how many here? Thousand people, so not not million, mm-hmm. but in a in a group on Facebook, people who love it and talk about it every single day. Yeah, and so it is one of those franchises that I hope they continue making great uh, characters, and I'd love to see a Marvel uh, Adventures and well, all and, those things.
0: And even for that, the I, I think one of the things that I like about that and. In, in, Follows up on that point of of the, the complexity of character or depth of character is that the first two sets, complete sets, season one and season two, are all made up, generic yep, people. Yep, they're theirs. However, they all have character, and I never, it's not, yeah. it's, I've played some games where it's a superhero game. And instead of Iron Man, they have Steel Man, like that type of thing. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, well, here's here's your Captain America ripoff. Here's your Iron Man ripoff. Here's your Hulk ripoff. These characters feel unique. Oh, and, yeah. and
1: The uh, monk is a real deal superhero. Start, Shadow s- thief, going to rip
0: out your heart. You're not even going to know they stopped by. So, yeah. <laughs> so, similar to the way that I would imagine that like Street Fighter for the people yeah. of our generation. When that first came out and it's like- oh, I love Ken or or whatever you know. Yeah. E Honda is completely made up and, and unique. E- but you look at those hand hand
1: movement on E Honda. <laughs> Doug was just doing a real life. Are I- you I- e- I- <laughs> I- um, So you know, I the idea Get of your doll some long arms away from me. Keep going. Sorry.
0: The way that those characters kind of develop. And they have that depth well, is really especially cool. Especially when
1: you're playing with a game group over time, right? Yeah. When you and yeah. I were going through dice-throwing adventures over a two-month period, and I was the shadow thief, and you were—were were you Paladin? Not no, no, a so barbarian, barbarian first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's, it is um, it is—it allows for that narrative development among your group as well. And I think whether you're playing with a group or with families, we've each had
0: that experience in multiple settings. You and know? Is, is there ever a time where this game ends— and you don't end up talking about it for no, five minutes. there's
1: always a story. Even if you have to go to the table to eat a meal or if you're getting yeah. in the car to go to church, you're still going to talk about, oh, man, I really thought I had it. I'm, I'm glad I went for the large straight, but uh, came up nothing and empty. Sorry, I let us down there. I know we got to go after that boss again. Yeah. And people in the car are like, what are you talking about? Oh, we just finished a boss battle. Yeah. We left it set up. We it's reset. <laughs> we just have to go to the marketplace, improve our deck, and we're gonna go back again. It's it's that level of engagement. And we've talked about it on other episodes. Yeah. But we've talked about it in a way where we're like, well, we really can't say much about this because it's an expensive game. Yeah. And we own that, it is expensive. However, you can get into Dice Throne. For 20 24 bucks you know barnes yeah. and noble target they get pick up a pack of two um hop on facebook marketplace it's or a board gateway. game. you'll spend 20 yeah. then well, you'll be- <laughs> this gets into my one nitpick can i yeah. jump Yo, yeah i was
0: just gonna ask you what what concerns do you have size mm-hmm. this is a game now i have
1: season one and dice thorn adventures and santa and krampus in right. one Calyx square oh, and then okay. next to it i have season two um my my oldest kiddo, my oldest daughter, is not a collector. Like I, I am. Jo, Josie is not. When Josie gets done with a book, the book gets given away or goes to somebody else. When I get done with a book, it goes on the shelf so I can admire that I read that once a while ago. <laughs> and as soon as we got done with season one, and I mean, as soon as we got done playing with a few different characters, she said, "When can we get season two? We've got to get season two. This is this is incredible." And and. That was about a year, year and a half ago when our house really caught the Dice Throne bug. And if two or three weeks go by and I say to Josie, let's replay a game, let's get Clank out, let's get out another game, um, Dice Throne is what's going to get replayed. Maybe a new character, but oftentimes we're going to try one of our favorite characters and either set up adventures or just do a, a quick battle against each other so the the nitpick about size yeah if you're a collector and a gamer and if 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 you don't have a ton of space the game can be a hog so you you may want to- shelf space hog, yeah, 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 yeah 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 shelf space hog um, and boy if that's the only nitpick I mean you're in the hobby you're listening to the game schooler podcast so it, it, that's probably an issue you're gonna have for the rest of your life
0: yeah <laughs> yeah well and it's it's one that, when 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 I had first gotten this and, and Dice Run Adventures, I mean we, you know, we have a really hard time just as a game group going back to playing older games. Mm-hmm. You and I played this almost every week for two months. It was two
1: months straight, and we couldn't
0: wait to get it back. Yeah, it was like, do, do you want to? We did. The, we would do the dungeon crawl. It's like you want to go on to the next boss battle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. You,
1: you hey. think we can get our families together this Saturday and um, yeah, kids can hang out. And we, uh, we can.
0: Uh, so that's boss a battle? that's a rarity in in the hobby. I've got two concerns that I want to put out there and just you know one of the things we we want to try and do is say you know what other people might not like about this. Um, the first concern I have is that it's separate from shelf space and price. It's at this point, kind of daunting to get into, right? We just let off that laundry list of how many titles and oh. things are available. I mean, if you separate every kind of skew out, you're talking one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight. This that just means it's successful, no,
1: man. Not to I, nitpick your nitpicks, but n-
0: No, but if you're looking I at see. it from the start well, and you're so saying, Where, where do, do I begin? start? Where yes. do I get into this? And it's like, ah, they're already Fifteen, twenty deep. I was like, I'm not getting into that. So answer that. that question. Where do you get into this? I think I think you just start with one of those those battle packs where yeah. you're a, a, a character versus another character, and try it out and see if you like it. If yeah, you, and if you don't like it, um, you know, sell it and and move on. You're not out too much. I think. I think those those and and the fact that they have those for the the Marvel one too. You know, so get the Captain Marvel versus Black Panther. See if you yeah. like it. And Ooh, then that's if, a good one. That's you, a really good one. If you, if you do, then, you know, try something else out. Uh it is a caveat if you do want to try the cooperative one because you are going into that 80 $80 price point, and it comes with no characters. And that's so what you have, to have.
1: podcasters and folks have complained about, that it doesn't come with, and that may be just you that I'm thinking of, Doug, but that <laughs> is a common complaint of it doesn't come with characters. But you, you just have to know that. It, it's an add-on. It's a game that does require other characters to play it. Uh, that's where I go back to some of that American Girl tie-in from it, before. You have to know what you're getting into.
0: It comes in a giant box. But it's just an expansion. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, which is man, a, a, a that, weird. That's a weird. That's almost insulting.
0: It's so much more than an expansion. It's, well, it's it, a core it, game. I, yeah. I, I still think that they, I wish that they would have put a couple characters in there so you it could just. bother me. Get right out of the gate. Because that's just another level of confusion for people of like, oh, I got this cooperative thing. It's like, oh, wait, I need to go get a, a char- characters to actually play this game. Yeah. Um, it's just another step. The um, other question
1: that comes up commonly, I was searching through some of the forums the last couple of days to get ready. The question, because some people are coming to this um, franchise for the first time with the Marvel characters. Sure. Yes, you can play the Marvel characters in Dice Throne Adventures. You, cooperative, can, you can yep.
0: absolutely uh, do that. So. Um, the other thing is if you don't like luck, like if you are a hardcore strategy gamer that's not a fan of luck, you're probably not going to like you know that there, you're not going to like it. I mean, yeah, there are dice, there are dice, and there is luck, and there are some things you can do to manipulate them, and there are sometimes there's nothing you can do about and it. You just got beat up. Um, so you know, be aware of that. Um, I I enjoy luck in the games that I play. It's I, you're never going to hear me be a guy that's like, yeah. I love that this is perfect information. I, I always want a little bit of luck, a little bit of unknown stuff. Right. Um, I do too. And so. The, you know, when we look at our nitpicks
1: and and longtime listeners are going to hear like, oh, these guys really do like the game. I mean, if that's what they're complaining about, I'm saying the components and the art are so good that you're going to run out and buy everything. <laughs> and Doug is saying, they start you just Doug with... is saying there's so much good stuff, you might not know where to start. Yes. Um, and I think your suggestion is the the best one. Uh, go out and get a battle pack. Get two characters, and if you like Marvel, get two from the Marvel universe and play. Yeah, so, yep. that's good. Um, all right. Well, I think now is there is there anything else you want to? Are, are there any specific uh, skills or places where you think that this does fit? I mean, we've highlighted decision making. We've talked about some of the strategic and tactical thinking
0: and some of those things. Is there anything else that we we left out? No, I mean the you know, I, I mean. You got, some, you got competition, you got your risk management, there's task, tactical thinking, resource management, understanding how the system works is, yep. a, is a whole component. One that's kind of unique, I think, in this game is that there is a, a cool level of personal responsibility in this when you take right. those risks and you say, that risk did not work out, and that is my fault. I'm stuck with it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So there's that, but other than those... I mean, that's a pretty decent list of of different things. I mean, going forward, we've kind of done in the past like a, a skills section. Um, yeah, we're going to integrate that right into this. Right this in while we're game. talking yeah. about stuff uh, going forward because usually a skill is tied into a part of the game that I like. Right. Or a, a mechanism or something that you're doing in the game that I like about it. And so I think, and I'm assuming that's the same for you, we'll throw those out. When we're talking we about them. Uh, the the components and parts of the game, we like
1: the one thing I did want to add in. You know, we were very fortunate in the year 2022 to be, or was it 2021? I think it was 2022. Be interviewed on the Family Gamers a podcast. Just Andrew and Anitra do a great job. They're also on the Dice Tower Network. I listen to them every week, and they talked about how their own children really liked this game, hmm. and I think that not, when you have multiple people who review a lot of different games and games are brought in there. Folks, my kids can get burned out on games is what I'm saying. And for Dice Throne to continue to get played and get brought out of the basement. And, and this is the game I want to play right now, dad. That's definitely a game that can fit in a community center, library, school setting, indoor recess game. So if you're, if you're around kids or other people's kids and we're already telling you you can get into this franchise for twenty, twenty five bucks. Um,
0: it, it's definitely a good thing to add to any gaming gaming house or environment. Yeah, so that is a game that we think you should try out if you get the chance. and if it sounded interesting, uh, we think you should do that. So that is Dice Throne and kind of the, the whole Dice Throne system. There's a lot of uh, different variations and modules and, and things that you can get fits into. fits back together
1: and so tidy and clean. Yeah, the Thank you,
0: Roxley. Yeah, the components and the, the setup <laughs> Roxley tray, does a great job. The game tray things that are in there are awesome. So give that a try. If it sounded interesting to you, that is Dice Throne by Roxley Games. Let's move on to the School of Gaming.
1: School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming. This week, we'll be talking about 2022.
0: Yeah, so kind of a year in review uh, for this segment. There's a lot of, I guess, the rewind a little bit the. The 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 starting point for this segment is that Michael and I were creating our high five list, which oh, man. blew up to top ten list. And there were so many games that we played from twenty twenty two that we still wanted to talk about that were great games. Uh, and this was, you know, they talk about well, how was this year in gaming? This game had a lot of awesome games. For the hobby, and especially this in that. This game had a lot of awesome games for the hobby. Did you need sure, this year? That, not to be, be that be, guy, but could, okay, this year be, thank did you have for cracking. Me. No, you're welcome. I'll be in the corner crying. <laughs> uh, but there are so many great games, and it was a great year for that family weight yeah. game, is becoming more and more popular and prevalent. To the point where
1: some people are complaining that there's too many good games. Bring them on, we say at the Game Schooler podcast. We my top 10 list had 24 titles. This is the first list ever where we had to compare to make sure that we didn't have crossover. And then we're we're just going to talk about the rest of the games in the school of gaming. Yeah. So
0: which is shocking because there's very little crossover in our list, unintentionally. Right. Um, you know, right out of the gate where it's like, wow, we both have 10 almost 10 unique games and there's still yeah. all these games that we left off um is there anything before we kind of get into some of the the game you know honorable mentions as it were is there anything else about the year that you want to talk about or yeah
1: i have a few wonderings and i i just wonder how many when the global pandemic covid19 hit how many people took that time to really play and design and think about new games because this was a year Where a lot of the games that I played that are on my list are either from prolific designers such as Mm. Emerson Matsuchi, John D. Clare, Phil Walker Harding, you know, people whose games I I, I know and love, or first time designers that are really strong. Yeah. And so yeah, they may have had a few other time designers, a few other games, but these were first time designs to me. And so when that comes up in the list, I just want to point that out. And I do think that as new designers come into the hobby and veteran designers continue to put out uh, bigger or different projects, I'm excited about what's ahead, but I don't want to just zoom past the year that we just had. So this could be a very long segment. This could be a very long show.
0: It's going to be a long show. Welcome back. Welcome back. They will not be this long going forward. (laughs) No, but there's a lot of titles to talk about, Doug. Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to talk about in a year thing is the idea of, uh, which is is part of of the change in our podcast, is the the changing in in gaming. I'm, Kind of rambling here, because you really trying.
1: pound those keys, man. When you type, are, well, are you gotta, a home row guy, or are you hunting and pecking over there? I'm, right? a, I'm <laughs> a hunter and pecker. <laughs> okay. The likes of
0: which have never <laughs> been cow. seen.
1: I didn't know that. You run your own business. I don't want one <laughs> finger pounding the keyboard at a time. That's awesome. What's funny
0: is I could hunt and peck, <laughs> probably faster than I could type without looking at the keyboard. <laughs> I have like my own. I made up my um, own Mavis Beacon on. Uh, there it is. I'm looking uh, for a website. Right, yeah. So one of the things that has come up is the the number of games that are coming out and the way that that's having an effect on, on publishers and the hobby. And I read a tweet, uh, a thread a little while ago from Nick Bentley, who is the president of Underdog Games. And we've talked about some of their games in the past. And we're going the, to talk about a lot of them tonight. The Trekking Through and the, the Her Story. And he was talking about the way that the, the hobby has been affected by the pandemic and kind of the fallout. Uh, and to kind of summarize that was uh, everybody got hunkered in during the pandemic and board game sales soared because everybody was at home and people, you know, so games, I, I think he might've said that their sales doubled in yeah. the year. And so everybody stocked up and, and maybe some of these publishers expanded more than they should have. And then the sales kind of dropped off and that was due to inflation and, you know, people having other places that their money needs to go to and being more discerning about what games they're buying and bringing into the house and, you know, what qualifies as a a quality game and is it worth that amount of money? You know, we're talking about an $80 game. And so all of that, kind of stuff that had happened and we've heard stories of shipping containers well,
1: containers going from fifty five hundred dollars to twenty nine thousand dollars for the same
0: container yes Woof. you know and the way that that's affected the hobby and prices and you know and you've got some complainers out there like well you can't raise the prices and it's like well, everybody's trying to do what they can to get through this situation right. and i think that is one of the you know the uh, ideas behind us kind of pivoting a little bit and yeah. not being want to be a part of that is we still want to play games. We want to talk about games. We want you to try out games, but it doesn't mean that you need to rush out and buy every game we talk about it, or that you hear about. That sounds cool. Yeah. You know, do your due diligence, try something before. I mean, there was a game that we played at a convention this year that just based on reading it and the playthrough, I thought, you know, I might buy this yeah. and we played it at the convention. I'm like, I am so glad I didn't buy this. Yeah. Um, And so as this hobby changes and and things like that, that's a contributing factor of where we're headed and what we're trying to kind of keep an eye on. Right. Um, And at the same time,
1: as we're talking about all the great games from 2022 that we've played, I could do a whole nother list on 2021 games that I played in 2022. I could do a whole nother list on games that I own from 2022 that I haven't yet played. Yep. So, that, I'm, there are just so Which many Which will good, all be future high fives. All future. <laughs> I got them, got them in the queue, Doug. Um, so, let, let's get things kicked off here. Yep. you drive the ship. Yeah, for me, my, and all of these are number 11 for me. So, oh, we sure. did yeah. drop 10 tonight. So Makes sense. Um, number the the first number 11 for me. Um, <laughs> do you want me to go heavy, light, or recommend a game? You just go and I'll fill in.
0: You run down your list this and I'll This will be fill an opportunity
1: in. for you to make fun of me. The, yeah. This is called Carnegie, and it is currently 178 on Board Game Geek. Uh, Xavier Georges is the designer 3.81 out of 5 so it is probably the most complex game on my entire list that I'll talk about tonight it's published by Quinted Games uh, but in Carnegie it's loosely based on Andrew Carnegie but this is a big heavy Euro that I just played a bunch of at the very end of the year solo because I had it sitting on my shelf for games that I must play in 2022 Um, but you have some employees that you are trying to set out on, on missions across the entire United States. And then you pull back those employees and you're going to get income for that. And at the same time, you're also trying to get projects out in different cities in the United States so you can connect San Francisco to New Orleans, to Chicago, to New York. The art is by Ian O'Toole. It is a gorgeous game. Oh, I loved having this out on the table um, for two or three weeks. It was a meaty one to learn. It took me a long time, watched a lot of solo videos. It was a lot of fun. I really like it. perfect that all the
0: artwork is brown. It, well, Work, it well your... for me, it does as
1: a colorblind person. I mean, I really do. I don't want those blues and purples sitting next to each other. Sorry, Hadrian's Wall, but that's why I had to trade you. Um, but. I I initially had on my top 10. Here's where I had to bump it down. I've only played it solo. So yeah. I haven't played it with other humans. And solo, it's punishing Doug. Andrew is the automaton that you go against. Well, yeah, he's Andrew, the best. Andrew's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a 20-turn game that takes uh, 80 to 100 minutes. So it has that classic Euro where the first five turns are so fast. And like, oh, I'm 25% of the way done. I'm only 10 minutes in. Look at me. And then the last four turns take an hour. It's like, what type of fool am I? So I have that um, sense of I'm not as smart as I thought I was. But you know, go
0: ahead. What what you're describing reminds me of there's a a series of game games called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yeah, it's a cooperative game and. Essentially, you're trying to solve the crime, but at the end of the thing, you compare your notes with Sherlock, and it's like, it took you two hours to come up with something that's 70% right, and he's got it in like three steps, and you're like, did you commit the crime? Is that how you know exactly how (laughs) this happened? Uh, Some of those autonomous what is the right word I don't know one of us had it right one of us had it wrong automaton automaton
1: but this was a game I'm I'm glad that I I got played I really hope I get to play it with other humans I hope it doesn't just sit on my shelf for two years because I uh, I liked it it was good all right what's next for you Oh, we're going through my entire list, then your entire list? No, just go through yours. Most of yours are on the... We played most of the Uh, same games. Yeah, Mosaic, A Story of Civilization. Mm -hmm. Currently at 1,598 on BGG, Glenn Drover, and Forbidden Games. Designer, publisher, the complexity is 2.88 out of five. First got to see this at a convention. I think it always helps when the designer is showcasing an awesome prototype. Yeah. Uh, And then when you got the Kickstarter in... Just got to play it at the tail end of 2022, yep. and uh, man, I, I I really liked. I, I like how everything fits together in that game, uh, the technology track with get, getting some of those cards. Um, you, you know, you can can build it, you just can't build it all at once, and having to plan turns, um, and trying to get different parts of the board. Um, what, what was your takeaway on that?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a the the holy grail of civilization games is the idea of can I play a civilization that gives me all of the same feelings in under two hours? You know, instead of playing an eight hour game, right? Um, and the way that it handles, there's a little bit of area control, but it's not heavy area control. There's building tech and adding cards to your hand, but it's not a super rigid tech tree that requires you to move up one step yeah. at a time. So it's doing a lot of these different things that are usually in Civ games, but in such a streamlined way uh, where the turns are fast. It reminds me, you know, it's the same designer as Raccoon Tycoon. So it has a lot of that fast turns. The the complexity is over the course of the game, not in a, not single, in a single turn, turn. Yep. Um, which I think is just an amazing way to... Uh, approach games as opposed to here, let me give you 8,000 options yep. on every turn and it just becomes a bog. This one moved pretty fast. Um, I enjoyed it. I it, it fills a different niche for me than Tapestry. I yeah. think they can both live in a collection oh, for absolutely. those, those um, Civ style games. The only concern I have on that one is the, the setup is a bear. The setup is tedious you know, to, and that's to, the same to, as Carnegie. That's what I should yeah. have mentioned. I saw A setup
1: video, you know, Game Boy Geek has a great, great video out there for setting it up. And I saw what you had to do to set it up. And I thought, man, that's exactly like Carnegie. There's a lot of bits. You got to get some things covered up, other things you leave out uncovered. Yeah. Um, What I really like about Mosaic is the flow of the game. Yeah. I'm able to think one turn ahead for me constantly and kind of have an idea of what other people are doing. Uh, I think Glenn Drover does a fantastic job of building what what I just called mini races in the game, how there are different achievements that only one person can get. And then yeah. there are other achievements that multiple players can get. So you have to figure out which race are you going to run and which one must you be first on and which other one can you come in second because you're still going to get some points. Um, so I, I really do uh, like, like that game and I'm glad you have it in your collection. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you got next? Uh, next I have, and this is uh, the first recommended game of the week back in episode 86, we talked about Get On Board, designed by mm-hmm. Sashi, the art is mon, mon, Monsieur Z, published by Yellow here in North America, uh, Complexity is 1.88 out of 5, a great little game where you're building a, a, a route, a bus route, and you're dropping off passengers at different locations. Like said, so we talked about it in length at episode 86, there is a ton of game in a very small box. Uh, I love this. One other person in my house loves this. It did have mixed reviews in my house, but some people found it complex. It was probably just how I taught it. Uh, we you know, we played it in a games day where we played about four or five games as a family, and this was yep. the, the final one. But <clears throat> excuse me, all that to say, this is one of my favorite games uh, from 2022. I really enjoyed um, Get On Board, and I've played it with multiple groups. And ultimately, there some people seem to either just love it and run out and want to buy it, and for others, they're like, "Oh, I'll pass out." What? You have any takeaways on that?
0: I don't know. I mean, it essentially, it comes down to it. There's a little bit of a, a centipede element where it's like you just can't go back over your own your own track, and you're trying to to, to lay out these little but sticks I love to make that your challenge. Route. Yeah, and I, I mean, the, the big takeaway for me of the thing that I love is it's it's set in, like, 1950s artwork. Yeah. And it just does a really good job of, of conveying that theme and the art style that really ties it together to, to me. I feel like this is one of those games, we've talked in the past where it's like art and, and design, like the graphic design and art can make a game better than it is. It's like if this game had crappy art design, I don't know if I would like it as much.
1: Oh, see, and I don't know. I, I love the mechanics of the game. I love how if you land at the right spot, then you get to extend by one spot. And then you could pretend, you know.
0: And I, if, I think I would like it, but yeah. it, it's just like it would not be on the same level. Oh uh, Yeah. You know, it's like it would bring it down a notch where it's like, all right, I would really have to like. The mechanisms to get over that hurdle. So we recently had a conversation
1: off air where we talked about our first 100 episodes. Are there any that wouldn't make the cut if we were moving on? Blah blah. blah. And this is a game that I would certainly keep in our time. Mm, yeah. I I I I've just had fantastic. Well, it's very unique. It. There's not a lot of yeah, games that are like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was also a number 11 uh for me this year. <laughs> All right. Another game that I played that I really enjoyed that didn't make the top 10 is Meeples and Monsters. That's Ole Steinus. It's currently ranked 6,764 on Board Game Geek. Uh, the weight is 2.5 out of 5, published by AEG, Alderock Entertainment Group. And in Meeples and Monsters, if you've got these meeples in a bag, you're taking them out of the bag, guess where they go? Did you think the tavern? Well, that's where they go. And um, then you put them out on the board. And so there's different Um, color meeples that have different abilities and they go out on on the board to fight or they, they go out on the board to improve and get other awesome meeples, but then you're ultimately fighting monsters. And um, there's a nice little rhythm of this game where you kind of need to fight a monster every other turn or so, and you kind of need to improve a meeple every other turn or so. And if you can find that right balance, you're definitely in the game. And I've had other experiences with this game in 2022 where I didn't find the balance. It was absolutely destroyed. <laughs> um, and, and I enjoy uh, meeples and monsters. It, it, for those who are listening at home, and I know, you know we love games and we can get people enthusiastic, but before you run out and buy this, just think if you have a play group to play it with. Um, there is a, a solo variant, I, and I, I just think that um, this is a game where you're going to need two or three people who, who kind of want to do that. My Basically, my 13-year-old didn't, didn't like it as much as I did, but I do sure. have a buddy who who really likes this game, and so yep. I know I can bring this to a convention, I can bring it to a game group, so for that reason, it's going to stay in my collection and I, yeah. I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, you like it more than I do. Uh, you bought my collect my, my copy oh, of it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, that um was, And th- thank you for that. The only thing about this is I, I love the concept, I love the artwork, I love the, the meeples are really well done, everything about it is cool. The the big turnoff for me is like I felt like it just stretched a little bit longer than I would like.
1: Well, it's if, two hours, even yeah. though BGG says 40 to 60 minutes no I, i've not had because there's also a 30 minute
0: put away time
1: so sure <laughs> I, the, it's a two hour game
0: yeah um, and if it if it was it it gets to a point where i'm like i wish this was wrapping up now like i've oh. gotten my fill on it um i just wish it was a tad shorter yeah and i
1: haven't had that experience and that's it because we often i'll get that the reverse. I'll be like, okay, mm. I'm ready to be done, and I can look over and Doug's got his efficiency thing built. <laughs> oh, I'm about to get walloped now. I knew I wanted to be done, but for me, uh, Meeples and Monsters with the improving um, the the characters for battle and then fighting on bigger uh, monsters, I, I just really enjoy that. Sure. Another game that's number 11 on my list is Longshot the Dice Game, mm-hmm. and this is currently at 432 on Board Game Geek, designed by Chris Handy with a complexity of 1.93 out of 5, and it's published by Perplexed, yep. and uh, I this was really my first experience with Longshot, uh, and I loved it, and the different game groups that we played it with in 2022, friends, casual gamers, family, it's always been a hit. You've got horse. Horses on a track and and, um, some dry erase markers in which you're able to, you know, purchase horses and make bets on who's going to finish where. uh, Different abilities on the cards that that modify, um, you you know, what happens when when the dice are rolled. Uh, Just a great little game uh again a lot of game in the box what i mean by that the box is not all that big and it folds up nicely i've taken it in my backpack and um and it's fantastic one to eight players it plays great solo in my opinion um 25 minutes long so it's under half hour it's one of those lunchtime games uh just an awesome game
0: yeah no this is probably the closest one to being my actual number eleven on my list. It is my um, actual number eleven. I uh have the long shot the original game. I got that in a math trade a very long time ago mm. um and so I was very anxious when this game was coming out. Uh, it was a Kickstarter originally. I had thought about backing it. it must have been at a time where I was <laughs> backing a bunch of stuff yeah. and I'm like uh ah, i can't I can't do it. Um, ended up getting it after it came out and got rave reviews. It does a good job. It's a uh, kind of a hybrid board game, roll and write. Yep. Um, at the same time, it it uh, condenses a lot of the things that are happening in the full version of, of Longshot. Um, I'm never going to get rid of my original version of Longshot because I feel like that has... It's roots. It, it, it's a very good bridging game to a game that you would think came out in the 70s uh-huh. and kind of modern, yeah. and that has that paper money type of feel to it that sure. I, I really enjoy. Um, my brother, who really likes Longshot, and he's not a, a hardcore gamer by any means, didn't care for the, the dice game as much. Um, I think it's just as good. right? I love doing everything with it. Um, well, I meant to talk to you about fast. this, but I'd like yeah. to
1: play the initial long shot game so that we can have a, a review of both. A comparison. And, there you go. That's and, a good and, idea. And make that a show. So, yeah, that, right. that was definitely a, a, just an awesome game. I'm glad I got to play. And the the next one on my list we, we talked about already, and that's Dice Throne Santa versus Krampus, uh, currently 4081 on Board Game Geek, Gavin Brown, Nate, uh, Châtelier and Manny Trembley, published by Roxley, Complexity 2.0 out of 5. And it is a player versus player. One person is Santa, an uh, 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 overweight, possibly morbidly obese uh, gentleman who is- bringer, bring, bringer of joy. Bringer of joy and cheer. That's the abilities. Comfort. And the, the cards are fantastic. Fantastic in that game versus Krampus. Who's going to load you up with coal and make sure that you can't do anything because you're you're buckled down with coal, Santa. And 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 Krampus also has these little minions that can get played out where the
0: discarded toys, yeah, rejected yeah. toys.
1: And that game has had a ton of use in my house already. Same Here, yeah, yep. yeah, C- couple months. Um, the last few months of 2022 were spent playing dice Throne Santa versus Krampus a, a lot.
0: Well, and the good thing about that one, you know, when we're talking about those kind of battle packs and things from earlier in the episode, Santa versus Krampus is a great one because thematically they are enemies going against each other. And even like in the Marvel one, they don't have that, you know, yeah. in the in the two packs, like Captain Marvel and Black Panther are not usually fighting. But the idea of Santa and Krampus, you know, you know, you kind of know about their lore and they're fighting against each other. So there is that thematic tie that I think really works well. I think it's a great set for that introductory. Well, and especially with
1: my 13 year olds just
0: on fire with all
1: things mythology, Norse mythology, all different types. And for us and our busy lifestyle, I mean, I have four logged plays. So it's not like we played it 35 times, but. I coach high school basketball. I work full time. I have three kids. My wife's a professional. I'm very busy, and to be able to get that to the table four times in a two month span, you know, to have those battles and have those stories and be able to tell Doug, oh, I finally lost one. I had two health left at the end, but I, I thought I thought Santa was going to pull it out. Krampus was victorious. I mean, it, it was a great game, and I'm that's one that I don't think will ever leave our family shelf. No. And, nope. Yep. All right, moving on. Planted was another game that was just fantastic, and this came out of nowhere. Uh, let me get the title right. Yeah. Planted: colon a game of nature and nurture, designed by Phil Walker Harding. Thank you, sir, and published by Buffalo, Buffalo Games. Games. One point <laughs> six one out of five. It was the game of the week all the way back in episode seventy eight. You know, we did summer camp the year before as as a a, a game of the week. And uh, similar to summer camp planted, it just has more in the box than it should yep. for for a, a 30 forty dollar game. You are yeah, thirty. Well, I max. Think, I, I think that went up though. I think that was just our target, and I think you and I might have got a deal. So check that out while I rant about the I game. Will. But there's house plants, mm-hmm. and you've got these beautiful little wooden tokens of water bottles and other little plant type substances that you're trying you're trying to complete. The contracts on the cards. Essentially, it's like, hey, you need two water bottles, and you complete this, and you set it down, and you you get that item. Um, Twenty nine bucks. Twenty nine bucks. It's online. insane. It, if, there's so much if, came if in there that box, man. If there
0: was a game, uh, you know, award that we're giving out for best bang for your buck, oh, the yeah, components but, that are in that game for thirty dollars. Show me have, one that's better. Have no right
1: being in there. Well, and that's where you know when you get on. We try to celebrate everything that's awesome in the hobby and unfortunately there are people who like to whine and complain right so i have heard folks say that the game is too simple or it's not phil walker harding's best i'll tell you what i've played this game with middle school kids in a board game club and uh, be, there's a, a drafting, like with Sushi Go, where you're passing cards back and forth and getting to select some and not others. But then yeah. you have to actually be able to complete the card, and there's bonuses if you can get your chain together. Play this game with middle school age kids. They're going to love it. Yeah. It's so simple to teach. I had this in the box one day with 15 other games, and somebody said, I want to play that one. And I hadn't looked at the rules in a month, two months, and got it out, got it played right away. Played it in under half hour, put it away and played more games. Yeah, uh, there just aren't a ton of games out on the market like that. I I think right now that can be set up and played in a half hour, that can be bought for under thirty dollars. That kids are going to love and enjoy.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that, I, yeah. I have, I have no sympathy for for haters on on stuff like that. But, it's like Doug, it's a it's a great game.
1: Explain to me how somebody rates that game a one on Board Game Geek. Like you knew what you were getting when you Troll. got it. Troll. Oh, thank you. You explained <laughs> everything in one word. Yeah, so that, that was an awesome game. And Phil Walker-Harding is somebody we hope to get on the podcast. Uh, as he? Phil uh, has a lot of games coming out in 2023. So we've reached out and we hope to get an interview this year. So those are just my uh, honorable mentions of games that don't quite make the top 10 for me. Uh, but fantastic games. All seven are either firmly in my collection except for the one that's in your collection and that's mosaic so the six of those are uh,
0: yeah the only owned. the only other one i've got on my list that i want to take a special shout out to is a game called terra nova yeah
1: but oh. i didn't play that till 2023 so that's why that didn't
0: make my list Oh, well, yeah, but, no, yeah, but, but, yeah, but no, we're, not talk, we're talking about games that came out in 2022. Ooh. It doesn't matter when you played them. Ooh, I might have one more to add. Go ahead. Talk about Terra Nova. Um, so Terra Nova is the uh, simplified version of Terra Mystica. Now, just to give you a comparison, Terra Mystica on the complexity rating is a 3.97 with a up to 150-minute playtime. Terra Yikes. Nova is a 2.85. So uh, not a lunchtime game yeah and a 60 to 90 minute play time and we played this we played it in an hour with the rules teach and it I am just a huge fan of games that simplify more complex games. I don't need all of that extra stuff I you know the theme really has to bite me for a game to be over a three. Uh, a weight of three on board game geek for me to say, yeah, I want to keep looking at this. I I have to be really invested into, Yeah, I love what this game is about or the artwork is so amazing, but like the number of games that come out and they're just like the 3.5s and stuff like that. I'm just, just almost discount them right away. And I, I think that there's so much room for, uh, I don't want to say simplifying, but making these these complicated games and, and distilling them down to their cores. And Terra Nova just did an amazing job for me of, of feeling like I was getting a game that was way more in-depth and involved and co- complicated in 60 to 90 minutes. I felt like I got everything so, I would want out yeah, of it. Yeah,
1: and you and I, you've been in the hobby a lot longer than me, and but I – I do consume a lot of podcast and board game content material. So Terra Mystica, I know, is a beloved game. Mm -hmm. And it had been on my want to playlist. So when this one showed up and we played it just last week, let's tell our listeners about what Terra Nova, just do a quick kind of 30-second overview of what you're doing and why it's amazing and all the crazy combinations that can happen.
0: Yeah, so in Terra Nova, you're basically um, some sort of civilization that is out of, five different land types uh, you prefer a certain type and in order to expand your civilization you need to convert the land around you and terraform it into different or the, or the type that you prefer so in the the game that we played i think i was a water sprites and i needed to convert the land to me uh next to me into water before i could settle there um and out of the the four remaining land types that you're trying to terraform there are two of them there a little bit easier yeah. than the other two and so that determines on how you're going and and every time you add a new settlement or a building it gives you more benefits during the income phase whether that's uh, gaining money or there are I'm trying to think of what the term is for the 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 stones it wasn't power. Uh, power. Power. It was power, yeah, 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 yeah. And so you're moving this power around in these different bowls. It's kind of this little rondelle thing. But there's a constraint where yeah. all the must flow out of the bottom
1: bowl into the middle bowl into the top bowl. And in, then it's you, a spend, them, and you oh, spend them from
0: the top bowl. So good. So there's like two little types of currencies, the turns mm-hmm. were fairly fast. Well,
1: and with three people, you can see what the person to your left of you might do. You can see what the yeah. person to the right of you could do. So, so and there's oh.
0: a there's a good level of of variability out of the box. Yeah. It's not something where it was like it was not dumbed down to the point of well, this is just now generic and bland. Oh, no. That was a full it, game. It that was fe- a real deal game. It felt like everything that I've... Because I've done research on Terra Mystica. I've looked at it. And He's I,
1: done his research. Yes.
0: He's thought um, about playing it, buying it. and buying it. And it's like everything that I felt like, yeah, this is what I want out of that game. Yeah. And I don't need the extra bits of complexity. I'll just use Dan's copy of Terra Nova when I want to play it. Exactly. <laughs> Good. Yeah. No,
1: I, I loved it. I went... I got home and went right on my wanton trade list. On board <laughs> game geek. like, "Yep, if somebody's looking to get rid of that, I'll take it." Um, really, really good experience. And I wonder how many of these games that we've talked about, they're not even in our top 10, but will be a game of the week coming up over the next couple of years at some point because yep. we're going to continue to play these. Yeah. We we own them. All right. Um cool. Should we wrap that up? Are there any others that you wanted to mention?
0: No, I think those are the I think you hit the the greatest hits there. Um, let's move on to the, the high five for this week. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. And this week we reveal our top 10. We couldn't do high five. Our top so 10 games, games from 2022. Um, we just talked about a bunch of them in the school of gaming. And I think, what we find out? Maybe we have two crossover. I think there's two. Yeah. We know uh,
1: that there's two. Unless it changed from earlier today.
0: Um, I think there... I don't know if there's... Nope. I'll, I'll yep, get there's it started.
1: Uh, number 10 yep. for me, and we mentioned it briefly earlier, there's a, a quite the lengthy backstory on this I talked about in episode 100, but this was a recommended game of the week all the way back in episode 95. This is her story. And our fans of this show, hey, Ma, how you doing? Uh, Maybe getting tired of hearing about this game. It was our game of the week, and if... If you're a goddaughter of mine, or if you're my middle child, you got it for Christmas. But Doug, you know, you know a game is good when people pull you out of line at awake and tell you, thank <laughs> you for getting this game for our daughter. We recently were at a funeral and and friends of ours did come up and, and thank us for it. And, yeah. and that I mean that tells you really how good a game is. And, Doug, this is buried right now. This came out. It went away. It's been on sale on Amazon for 30 bucks. MSRP, I think, is like 40 bucks. It's an unbelievable game. So what are you doing? Well, it's designed by Nick Bentley, Emerson Matsucci, and Daniel Reynolds. My goodness. Two to five players. Uh, I personally think it's best at three. It flows really well. It's a 30-minute game of three players set up and take down. Uh, age is eight plus. The complexity is 1.33 out of five. You're a historian writing a book and you're completing research. I'm sold. Sign me up right away. But you're drafting tiles to complete chapters and scoring points. We talked about it at length uh, a few weeks ago. And once a player has completed their eighth chapter, it triggers the end game. Um, yeah, and that's that's really where the 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 crux of it. It's currently ranked overall at eight thousand eight hundred ninety-five on Board Game Geek. I I do think this is a game that did not get the buzz and the hype that it should have i do hope that eventually somebody like shut up and sit down or somebody on the dice tower puts it on some list and people can see what what's good about it there is, when when i played this game because i haven't talked to you since i played the game with maggie when maggie sure. got this and and and, and her mom, my wife you know we played it for the first time as a family there was a lot of downtime because people were studying the cards. They're doing what you love to talk about. Yeah, Maggie was turning over and reading every card that she got, um, and and just a a great great game that I'm I'm glad. Uh, big thank you to Underdog for sending us a review copy so we could see it. Um, I've certainly fulfilled my end of the bargain and gone on it
0: for it. Yeah, no, I mean I got one we got one for my sister-in-law for Christmas. Yeah. I mean it's just a phenomenal phenomenal game with an awesome theme at a at a great time and and that fast Gameplay that you would expect from uh, an emerson Metsuchi game. Yeah. You know, and and certainly if... What episode do we do that in? 95. 95. So if you want a full in-depth thing on on our thoughts on that game, uh, check that episode out. And frankly,
1: there are some times where we'll review a game, and I'll just move on because we do go on to the next game, and this is not one of those. This is sitting on our little shelf of games for the month of january that we are trying to get the table a handful of times so an awesome game and my my made my top 10 list for 2022
0: all right my number 10 is uh, a game when we we're talking about distilling games down uh this one i had to put on my list and it was one that we talked about in episode 100 is we talked about Everdell. And and shortly before we recorded that episode, Michael and I were oh, talking yeah. talking about is how, how can we get Everdell, uh, d- our, our family, to play Everdell? <laughs> yeah. And like two days later, they announced My Little Everdell comes out, which is my number 10 game. And I love what it does. I mean, the the, the gameplay is fun. It's designed for younger players. Uh, uh, Starling Games, the designers are James A. and Coliseum. Clarissa A. Wilson, one to four players, thirty to sixty minutes, at one point six seven. Uh, we played this with my daughter, yeah, and it was it did exactly what I hoped it would do, which was my daughter played it. She loved it, and when she found out that there was a a, a more advanced version of it, she's like, "Oh, I can't wait to try that!" Like yep. I really like this, and it has the important distilled down elements of the bigger Everdell in this game. You're doing yeah. a lot of the same things with a little less card combinations.
1: And I'm I'm going to flex my nerd credentials here if you'll allow me for a moment, Doug. I'm gonna, uh, isn't I'm that gonna, what our whole episode's uh, about? I'm, I'm going to flex out. So <laughs> <Okay>. after... <laughs> Your daughter completely demolished us in My Little Everdell. That's not me flexing. I'm getting ready to flex. The, I, my thought driving home was, I think that could be the perfect solo lunchtime game. So that night, I set up my copy of My Little Everdell. And the next day, I started my clock. I punched out for lunch. It was 20 minutes solo My little Everdell. Mm. So for me, you know, if somebody ever has any nitpick about, oh, it's Everdell Express or it's, oh, no, that's great. I I have a 20.3 pound complete collection. I, I may not be able to set up in a lunch hour, but you know what? If I get my an itch that Everdell itch that I've talked about from time to time that that is a great game to be able to get get set up play and put away well and I it, like it, it play, yeah. for for our listeners who do solo game if that that and somebody please push back you could see it differently but for me my experience I had a good little day and I'm probably going to play it in a couple weeks over lunchtime you know so well,
0: well and I like too the the thing I really like about it is that it's like that it's not plastered with kids or children's or or whatever where it's like I feel like I could play the, a game like this with my parents who are not gamers and feel like they're getting an Everdell experience that's not dumbed down, that's like, oh, well, we're just going to play this with the little kids to make them feel better.
1: Can like, you do that and include Emily and have her double up everyone at the table? Well, of and course then, I would do that. <laughs> that yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Film uh, that, would be great content. <laughs> Your you daughter know, destroyed us.
0: Uh, but that's one of the things I really like about it, where I felt yeah. like it is that, that distilled version that is that perfect gateway to, to climb the ladders. And you play that, then you play regular Everdell, then you add an expansion in and you can keep climbing up that ladder. Uh, so that's my number 10, My Little Everdell. Great game, Doug. Awesome.
1: Number nine for me is Tenpenny Parks. This was a recommended game of the week back in episode 69, or game of the week, rather. And this was our... Yep, I just reread that twice. It's designed by (laughs) Nate Linhart, art by Vincent Dutrait, published by Thunderworks Games, and in Ten Penny Parks. And we talked about this at length. You have an amusement park. The art is is just beautiful, and everything fits thematically. And you have these polyomino tiles that you're setting down. And for our listeners out there who are thinking, "Oh, it's like Baron Park," no. There's one little design feature that separates us from other polyomino tiles. You have to have space on your board for people to walk through. And for the gamers out there who are like, oh, that's a little thing, that little thing will mess up your park. So you have <laughs> to buy additional boards and add on to your park. Yeah, And suddenly what looks like a very simple amusement park suddenly turns into a complicated spreadsheet in your mind, and the pivot table starts turning about, well, do I want to get advertising? Do I get advertising early or late? Oh, did I forget to mention there's a little racetrack element that you need to see where you fit out? Do you have enough excitement in your park, and how are you going to get paid out this way and that way? Um, I have uh, friends who are gamers that this was one that I brought out uh, two different times in, in big Huge success! Is that what we say on the show? Huge Great. success! Great success. <laughs> Great success! Yeah. So, Ten Penny Parks, uh, number nine for me from 2022. A game that that I love and is firmly in my collection. Yeah. Awesome artwork in that one too. Yeah. And the play, the play is exciting. It's an hour. Yeah. Uh, the setup does take a little bit of time because you have to be able to teach it to folks. But the, the and actual, your first
0: time, you need to build that carousel.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Or ask somebody else. Yes, you do. That that <laughs> was I'm not a strength of mine, folks. Get the exact. <laughs> a knife out and recruit a, someone handy in the house like my wife to build it. So,
0: All right. Well, speaking of great art, my number nine is Museum Pictura, which we discussed at length in episode 98. I love this um, game. Uh, the, the publisher is Holy Grail Games. The designers are Eric Dubas and Olivier Mellison, two to four players, 60 minutes, 2.68 out of five. Um, and that seemed to be a common theme as I was putting my list together. Yeah, that that mid two, two. Mid two uh, low two is is really my sweet spot. And this is a an amazing set collection game where you're trying to build a collection of artwork, and 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 have them work together with each other. And has that component of set collection where it's like I want all of these paintings, but I need to pay other paintings to get them and which ones you're going to put to the sideline and maybe you can get some of them back and that struggle i just love as that plays out during a game
1: yeah and you can also go through another person's discard because their their painting is being stored right so i'm going to go grab that this was our recommended game of the week back in episode 98 and i absolutely love this game Doug, I can't believe I'm saying these words out loud, but this is the Kickstarter that got away. I did not back this on Kickstarter mm. and I'm regretting it because there's a little solo version that is super expensive. The nerds are hoarding it. They they're, they're <laughs> charging crazy amount of money on the secondary market for that. So, the it if um, and I got a little tangent there, but this is a game that the 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 different mechanisms that work with the theme are so detailed of your discard pile. No, that's storage. So if you put it in storage, another museum can come and take it
0: out of your storage. Yeah, if you're not going to display it in your museum. It's a great, great thematic element. So that's my number nine museum pictura. Great game. Number eight for me is
1: Heat. Heat, H-E-A-T, designed by Asher Harding Granarud and Daniel Skold-Peterson with art by... Vincent Dutrait, I, I left you a little bit of time there to jump in, but uh, a theme on my list heat of recent... Heat, pedal to the metal. Heat, pedal to the metal. Thank you. Heat, colon, pedal to the metal. And it's number one on the hotness as we speak or has been for a while. It might've got bumped to two, um, but one to six players, 30 to 60 minutes, ages 10 plus, eight plus. Folks, don't listen to the people on Board Game Geek who say this is for eight-year-olds. It's not been my experience. I'd say 10 to 12 plus, um, 2.16 out of five. And in Heat, you are racing. You're racing around the track. Um, do we have crossover here, or should I just... Yeah, we do. It? We but, do, Okay. But, um, I, I just didn't know how much of the airspace to take, but Days of Wonder has a gem here. This, this game, I'm just really starting to figure out how to play it. We've played it twice, or we've played it two different sessions, but three times. Three times, uh, yeah. You're playing cards out of your hand, and you're trying to manage the heat if you... Um, uh, and I'll leave it at that so Doug can jump in when he wants to jump in and, and when it gets to his list. But this this game is – I'm not always, oh, get on the hype train, but, boy, am I glad that Doug was able to pick up a copy for me. Um, it's a beautiful game. I love racing games, and I love how the hand management works with the racing. There's a, a feature where you go, it can take only so much speed into a curve – and being able to balance that very basic math um, is a fun little challenge.
0: All right. Yep. That is a good game that I will be talking about later. Um, Cliffhanger. Spoiler alert. <laughs> my number eight is the most complex game and the longest game on my list. Uh, and that is My Father's Work, uh, published by Renegade Game Studios, the designer, T.C. Petty III. Two to four players, 180 minutes, and a 3.18 Um and I don't know that the complexity is that crazy on this. No. Um, it's more probably has to do with the length. It is going to be a three-hour game. Um, but it's a great game that uses a narrative structure with branching storylines wrapped up in a Euro game package. So you are um, performing. Uh, the the concept behind the game is that you've discovered your father's journals. You're trying to create his masterwork that he was working on, and it passes down through three generations. And so you're... But oh, by the way, your father is a mad scientist. Yes, so you're doing creepy (laughs) things. And, you know, it's like some of your... your experiment, experiments may require bodies that you have to go get from the, the cemetery but you know what that increases your creepy scale so you're becoming more creepy and the angry mob in town is getting more angry and the the decisions that you make affect the way that the the game turns out so there's, there's these branching storylines if you do this well something else will happen and, and maybe the hospital gets built maybe it doesn't and because you didn't build the hospital this happens and it changes the game throughout it uh, every generation kind of resets so you don't get to take everything with yep. you and you got to kind of build it back up again uh And it. you're competing against the other players which yeah. is fun yeah and and so we we played it twice twice and it's, it's got outstanding. two outstanding two we played the same scenario so, with yeah. two completely different games There's
1: three different scenarios we played the same one twice because we pro- we didn't want to go through too much of the game in 2022 you got to save some for 2023 yeah. but the just how about the production? Oh, that's amazing! The pieces are incredible. I was listening to an interview with this designer recently. And he talked about it being a six to seven year design process, and yeah. you can just see how ironed out all the details are. Uh, TC Petty the Third has done a lot of development work. His name is not on a ton of titles as, as designer as of now. I just can't wait to see what other games uh, he puts out in the future because. This, this is a masterpiece. I mean, yeah. my father's work, the, the when we played that, it was a very similar banter back and forth narrative of when we played Dice Throne Adventures. I mean, we talked about it, we couldn't wait to get at the table again. And it is a three hour experience. And we yeah. did. We played it at a convention. And, we but it didn't
0: it, feel it no. didn't feel like a three hour and it has that perfect like crunchiness of every turn feels cool, like you're accomplishing something. But you also feel like you're on the brink of not being able to do everything that you want to do, and trying to balance that out, which I think is really cool.
1: And if any of our listeners have, you know, teenagers or kids that play a role-playing game, do a Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that, check out my father's work because this is a game that um, really takes on some of that role-playing aspect as well in 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 a medium-weight Euro game. So. Once it's done, it's done. But when you're playing it, you really do feel like that. At least I, did. I felt like I was that character. Yeah. My decisions matter. Yep. Well, actually, I, I did go to the university. Oh, oh but you got rewarded for working. But, yeah, oh, but who went to the bar and just drank? And so it's, it's yeah, good, Yeah, right? I, d-
0: I discovered a, a, eternal life and, and that yeah. type of thing. So awesome. It, cool game. So that's my number eight,
1: my father's work. Great. That means I'm at my number seven on our marathon episode of our top games of 2022 my seventh game of the year is trekking through history uh, a game designed by charlie bank uh, one to four players 30 to 60 minutes 10 plus 8 plus is a complexity or is the recommended age uh totally think you can play this game with 10 year olds the weight is 1.84 out of five i don't think i mentioned the publisher it's underdog games as well this was a a recommended game the week back in episode 87 and what charlie bink the designer and the artist eric hibbler did uh is just fantastic how the cards fit together so i guess i should step back and just describe the game a little bit because that's what we do here um in Trekking Through History, you are getting different characters through history and getting the, the you're, tokens. You're, vis- you're visiting go, different
0: events di- Visiting different is.
1: events, and you're trying to um, get those cards in, into your hand, essentially. In, in chronological order. There it is. Um, uh, again, I know I've mentioned this before, and I didn't mention this on, on the episode. We talked about it a whole lot. The Kickstarter version came out with a solo variant that is just flipping awesome! It's it's a lot of fun. Super easy to set up another lunchtime game, and they are now taking that into the mass market as well. So for those solo gamers out there, it's also one that you can play with teenagers and, and eleven and twelve year olds very easily. And I have, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm gonna catch my breath. I'm gonna pause. Let you say anything you would like about it, but uh, I, think I may we'll come say back some to it later. later, later yes.
0: Good. Good. <laughs> All right. My number seven is uh, Planet Unknown. Uh, by Adams Apple Games, Ryan Lambert, Adam Rayburg, one to six players, sixty to eighty minutes, and a two point two three out of five on the complexity scale. Planet Unknown is a very unique game that essentially there is a, a lazy Susan with polyomino pieces on it. Cheese tray. A cheese tray, yeah. Uh, pass your hors d'oeuvres around and select a, a tile. Uh, but what I love about it is you're filling up your planet with these tiles. But every time you pick a tile, you're also moving these tracks up. So it has that – I don't know what it's called, but the idea of, like, well, I keep moving this up and I get better abilities, and that allows me to do this chaining effect that yeah. happens.
1: Similar to a terraforming Mars or others, right? Like where you
0: unlock and then that unlocks others. That allows you to yeah, unlock others well, at a
1: cheaper rate.
0: It almost has, like, a, a – the. It, it seems like it's most commonly in, like, a roll-and-write game. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think about, like – uh, Ganshan but, Clever where yeah, you're, those combos. you're saying oh okay I fill this in and that allows me to fill this other one and do that type of stuff and this is all in a polyomino game that I love the, the efficiency on one scale and the, the building up of the tracks and chaining on the other well, and, and the, the way the that they looking ahead them. one
1: turn right because yeah. I can see what's coming next as that lazy
0: Susan's going to spin yeah I know what and shapes so are really coming I really hope you yeah. don't take
1: that tile because I want that tile oh you took that tile okay what am I going to do next
0: yeah. It, it, well, and it's, too, it's the, the balancing of you know what type of shape is coming Yeah, um, for sure. So you can plan on that level, but you don't, don't know, know which items are going to be on that yep. shape that yep. you can activate and move up those
1: tracks. And there's a little river that runs
0: through your planet, and it's so, critical how you build on it or around it. And this was one that, you know, we, we talk about try it if you can. This was one that, that I played at a convention, yeah. and— uh, I miss the Kickstarter. It's very hard to get right now, and I can't wait until it it becomes available. It's going to yeah. be on that list of of acquire this when you can type yeah. of thing. So um, that's my number seven, Planet Unknown. Well, and that was a hit. When you and I both played it, we kind of looked across the table like, oh, yeah, that's an awesome <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: good. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Number six for me we've talked about on this uh, podcast in the past this is my most oh it's not my most complex game I'll take that back but it's Dead Reckoning designed by the great John D. Claire, art by Ian O'Toole one to four players 90 to 150-ish minutes ages 14 plus definitely weight is 3.38 out of 5 what I love about this piratey game is that it is a big game that is very comfortable being a big awesome game In an era where so many games are having to shrink down and put a lot in the box, this is a giant box that has a lot in the box. There's so much game in there for a two and a half hour game. uh, This is one I do think I'll be able to play with my kids over a few days time in a few years. So where Doug makes fun of me and kind of gives that chuckle of a laugh where his shoulders go up and down four or five times. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do Dead Reckoning as a family. And even as I say those things out loud, (laughs) does that sound ridiculous? All right, all right. I love this game. Here's why I love this game. You have crew members in your hand, right, cards, and they are played – out of the person's hand, and then actions are taken. Well, yeah, but how is that innovative? It does a card crafting system. So as you're navigating around a board, that changes every time you play. You're picking up other cards to improve your crew's ability. And each player has a ship that's moving around and collecting those upgrades. I also um, and so there's a handful of victory conditions that when they're met, that triggers the end game. That's where there's a huge range because if one person just races out or if two people race out and get those conditions, uh, it, it could be done in 90, but most of the games I've played have been more than that 150. I also love the delightful battle uh, sequence that can or cannot happen. If you're playing with four players, there's probably going to be some battles, but in a two-player game, you might get through the whole game without much battling because people might take different parts of the board. Uh, so, for me, that's my number six game, uh, Dead Reckoning. I, I just really had a lot of fun um, playing that game when we got it to the table in 2022.
0: Yeah, I like that one. It's uh, it's one that I enjoyed playing, and but not one that I needed in my collection. Um, and so, I'm, I'm happy well, to play it when it pops out. It's but in mine. So, there when, you go. when you want it. Yep. All right. So, my number six is Marvel Remix, published by WizKids, designer is uh, Bruce Glasgow, two to six players, 20 minutes, 1.73 on the complexity scale. Marvel Remix is a retheme of fantasy realms, uh, a very similar game uh, in which you start out with a hand of cards. It's a, in, in Marvel Remix, it's a, a mixture of heroes, villains, locations and uh, equipment and allies. And you are, you know, every card has a base points that it it will give you, and sometimes they have modifiers that are either positive or negative. Where, where one card might say, "Well, this is worth, uh, you know, twelve points," but it's worth three points for each other X-Men character you have. Or
1: this card is going to be blanked, meaning it's worth zero unless you connect it with a different card. yeah, Yeah, or if you happen
0: to have this villain this card is worth zero points or or things like that. And so you're kind of trying to build this perfect hand of of seven or eight cards. I don't quite remember, but that is a a timer in which you uh, can uh, pick up a card or discard a card. And so you may only be able to manipulate your hand three or four times, you know, five or six times uh, throughout the game to try and make it better. And, you know, you get about halfway through the game, and you're like, "I think I need to pivot, and I want to try and get points yeah. from this card instead of the other one." Uh, and just, you know, the theme sucked me in more so than the the fantasy version. Well, the the um, gameplay drew me.
1: I but mean, I played it six times since you've got it to the table that first time.
0: Well, and that, but that would be the same as Fantasy Realms, the game yeah. that it, it re-implemented. So this would just is a version of it that's like. Yes, that made me pull the the trigger on, on adding this one.
1: Can I jump um, in on yours sure, here? Yeah. So the here's a part from the BGG description. The game box comes with 61 remix cards, 18 villain cards, a score pad and rule book. The game is for 2 to 6 players, ages 12 and up and plays in 20 minutes. And I can confirm with I've played this with four four other middle school kiddos. So it was me. In a five-player game, we played it in 20 minutes. And that yeah. was the first time they'd played it. And it plays so fast. It's so fun. And boy, is that thing thinky. I mean, you have to figure out how to get those seven cards in your hand to work together. Because at the end of it, you have to have a hero and a villain. That's at least. A, a condition. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, awesome yeah. game. Doug. Yeah,
0: and I had some uh, great experiences with this one when we were in, in Florida during Hurricane Ian, uh, playing that one in a hotel room with with my daughters and, and wife. So, uh, special place there for Marvel Remix, my number six. Awesome. Awesome. My number five
1: is, uh, it's a gigantic game. I, I can't shy away from it, but this is it's called Foundations of Rome, designed by Emerson Matsuchi. Uh, two to four players there's a solo fifth player expansion coming in a solo and fifth player expansion coming in 2023 published by Arcane Wonders 60 to 90 minutes my experience has been uh, it's about 15 to 20 minutes per player. Uh, so it, it, if you have you know three players it's gonna be about an hour. Uh, 13 plus 10 plus 1.95 out of five. so you're selecting ancient buildings and placing them on a very well designed board. Uh, for me, this game really takes like Sentry Spice Road or Sentry Gallim Edition and levels up the strategy of it. I, I enjoy playing this game. Um, When I first got it, I wondered how much of it was I just wanted a new shiny toy. And then fortunately, because it's a big, expensive game, folks, It really that's why if you get a chance to play it, play somebody else's copy before you just run out and commit to buying your own. Uh, But I I enjoy buying Or buy the car that you're
0: looking at, whichever way you want. Well, (laughs) that was just me, Doug. That might not be all of our listeners.
1: Um, But I, I, I enjoy the game. I enjoy how everything fits together. Uh, on that little board and how the actions all kind of um together there's a, just a wonderful tension and i think that's what defines a lot of emerson matsuuchi's games is just that wonderful tension from start until finish and i i like the interaction that happens at the table too and seeing how other people are putting their city together so number five for me from 2022 is foundations of rome
0: yeah this is one that uh, i'd like to play again uh uh and 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 delving deeper into it and seeing seeing it. I I don't feel like I got a good enough impression of it uh in the one time that I played it. So but definitely gorgeous to look at. Um so, great game there. Yep. So my number five is a game called Dog Park. Um from Birdwood Games, uh, designers are Lottie and Jack Hazel, one to four players, 40 to 80 minutes, and it is a 2.11 on the complexity scale. This is a another Kickstarter casualty for me. I had it uh, on a reminder and thought about getting it, and it just happened to fall in a, a time where I was backing a bunch of other stuff, and it didn't get back, so... I end up getting it directly from the publisher, and I did get the Kickstarter version. Uh, I think they're, they're Why are still you available. Doug? No, yeah. they're
1: not. Not the Kickstarter. Only the standard no. version. Oh, <laughs> you're looking at the. <laughs> no, huh? Well, been. then
0: I'm flexing. Yeah, then. flex. Um, so, Dog Park is a is a game where you are acquiring dogs. Uh, you acquire two dogs into your kennel every round, and then you need to take your dogs for walks. Yeah. And as you're going for a walk, you're collecting the treats and toys and things that you'll need to walk dogs in the future round. Uh, You are bidding with your uh, prestige or victory points to acquire the dogs. So there's this very interesting struggle of, okay, I need to bid on cards. I I need to use my victory points to get the dogs that I need, but the dogs that I want, I also need to have the toys to be able to walk them uh, on the path. And then, you know some cards give you a special every card gives you a special ability some of them happen while you're walking them some of them happen while you decide to put them on the leash some of them happen when you acquire them and some of them happen at the end of the game and so and there's a similar to Wingspan it's got kind of a watercolor artwork yeah. that's just beautiful and it it's also like Wingspan has this gigantic deck of dogs that you could never possibly get through i think Uh, We haven't really – we've shuffled them up, and we haven't even gotten through – I've played this four or five times, and I don't know that we've seen uh, – a repeat dog
1: yeah and this was one where i talked about at the top of the segment with new designers lottie and jack hazel this is the only game that they have credited to them on board game geek and it is a fantastic game if you like wingspan if you like dogs you will like dog park
0: yeah and my oldest daughter loves this and and she can get blown away she's like i just like seeing the dogs and i love the gameplay like the the stuff that's going on in this game is is really cool and I'm I'm happy to have it in my collection and that's my number five dog park awesome 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 wow we are getting down to it number four for me I'm going to be
1: quick on this one because we've talked about this franchise a lot Marvel dice throne uh, I'm not going to give all the stats and the facts but um, you know for me and I talked about the Thor versus Doctor Stephen Strange but what I saved for this part of the segment the next battle the very next day I took Loki. Guess who took down Thor? Loki. So I just had to let people know it's they. They did a great job with the characters. I really hope they release a season two of Marvel. Um, dice throne with with you know Captain America, Iron Man, some of those other ones. I really hope they release a Marvel Dice Throne adventures. Uh, I'd love to have some boss battles. Who doesn't want to take on Thanos? Michael wants a full want to, calyx of who, Dice Throne. I do. A and a 5 by 5x5, not, <laughs> not not the the measy little 4 by 4 that I have at home. I want a new 5 by 5 just for my Dice Throne. Actually, are you listening? Michael wants a Dice Throne room. I do. I'll put my my Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire on there, too, just an homage to this is my Roxley Calyx. But um, it it is a great game, and it sat on my shelf a little bit when we got it because when it came in, we had a ton of games to go through. And when the shrink came off and got to play that game, oh, man, just have not been disappointed and continue to play it. I think we've had every single character get played. Um, So that's number four for me is Marvel Dice Throne.
0: All right. Yep. Awesome one there. Uh, my next one, number four, has already been talked about. That's trekking through history, um, and this is just a phenomenal game that I love. The there's two parts of this that I love. Is I love the variability in building and constructing that timeline, trying to make it as efficient as possible, get it in chronological order, and while you're doing that, you're trying to complete this travel agenda that you have mm-hmm. every round. That requires certain tokens in order to complete it and to accumulate points. Oh, and guess what? You can uh, visit your ancestors and kind of keep that that timeline going for a little bit more. Because the longer the timeline, the more points that you get. And the the last part that I love that mixes up this game is the uh, was it the warp cards, time warp cards that were originally supposed to be a Kickstarter exclusive that they put in every copy. And you draw a new card each round, and it changes the game in some way. It gives you a different location to go to, uh, a special ability, something that happens, and it's like that simple mechanism provides so much variety to the game right. that I just think it 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 makes it that you know I looking at the rest of my games, this is probably as high as it is because I think it is that perfect entry game for families. I can play this with anyone, you know, young or old. Uh, they're going to get it. They're going to get a satisfying experience. You get in, you get out. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Phenomenal game trekking through history. Yeah, that's great. My yeah. number four. Yeah, awesome. Number three for me, I think
1: this is going to surprise you, Douglas, and it, it really climbed because it was my favorite solo experience of 2022, and that's Guild of Merchant Explorers, designed by Matthew Dunson and Brett J. Gilbert, one to four players, 45 minutes, 14 plus, 10 plus. Weight is 2.09 out of five. Uh, this it, 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 This was not in my top 25 in the year after first play. This was a game that I saw at a convention. The first time I played it, it was like, eh. But then the second time, I thought, okay, I there's more to this because I played on a different map, and I, I just understood how the game was going to play over time, so I had a better understanding. The, the first time, I didn't play the game very well, and I soured on it, but I've played enough games to know that, well, sometimes that's just the gamer learning, right? Um and then I got the game in a trade, acquired it in a trade, and I thought, look, there's supposed to be a pretty good solo version, and, and and got it to the table. And I devoured that thing, man. Over over 10 days, I played all four maps repeatedly. I have the expansion on a wanton trade list on board game. It, it, I've had a ton of fun with Guild of Merchant Explorers. Um, played it with my with with Josie and, and she enjoyed it. Um, So, it is fairly easy to teach. What you're doing, though, um, there are common cards that are going to come out every round. You just don't know when. And then you get other cards that are added in um, for you, basically like ability cards or modifiers just for you. And you're trying to connect different routes as efficiently as possible. Um, it, it dry Erase, you know, where you're writing in and, and taking those actions. I know this is a terrible description of a dry game that was,
0: There's no dry erase in is there, there, is no there no
1: dry erase? What are you doing with your... Oh, no, 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 You're there, setting the wood down. Yeah, sorry, I yep. got my games confused. Um, it very much plays like a roll-and-write play It plays game. like a roll-and-write. They do a lot of roll and rides. I've just played a different roll-and-write of theirs recently, so sorry about that. But uh, Guild of Merchant Explorers game I haven't played in a few months now, but one that I really had a great time playing. Um, and and hopefully they come out with a few more maps for this. Um, I know I'm starting to sound like an expansion snob, but it's one a game that I I hope to revisit with multiple people. Well, I, think, um, it, in I think it does
0: probably excel as a solo game. Yeah, it because really there's 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 not a ton of there's a couple of race elements in it, but other than that, there's not a ton of interaction. Well, it's got to beat your score. Me, me, yeah, me,
1: um, you know, solo. Um, outcome that, that that i really like of yes I, I, I played this well look i played this as a master i was a beginning explorer um it, it does it, at least it, that's been my experience with it very simple sure it,
0: simple rule set but but tough decisions so awesome all right my number three is a game called first rat uh, by pegasus spiel the designers are gabriel osiello and virginio Gili. uh one to five players 30 to 75 minutes in a 2.20. This is a game about rats building a rocket trying to get off of the planet. And in doing that, they collect cheese and baking soda and vinegar to create their thrusters and tin cans to to create their capsules and, and calculators for the control panels, all that type of good stuff. It is a very colorful, vibrant, euro game that is accessible to family weight gamers um, with fast turns um, and it's got all these different kind of race tracks so you get points for accomplishing different goals and the the point values decrease but in a way that i feel like everybody's kind of going after their own thing and there's not as much pressure of like oh somebody got there first so i'm screwed up it's it's the first person there might get nine points. The next person's going to get eight. Well, you get moldy cheese
1: thing. if you're there second. So, you, you know, if you if you don't have a cheese, your your punishment is moldy cheese. No, nice, I'm talking about the,
0: the end oh, game the scoring. Score, I'm, scoring. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, yeah. So you're not getting – it's yeah, yeah, yeah. not It's not like, oh, the first player gets 20 points and the next person to get that – Gets five. Gets yeah, five. No, it's very balanced. So it's very balanced. So it never feels like anything is a direct race. Um, and – it has this unique mechanism where you start with two rats working along this path and they need to, you can move one rat 1 to 5 spaces you can move up to as many rats as as 1 to 3 spaces as long as they all land on the same color space yep. and so you can get these awesome combos and doubling things up and you get to points where you're like i'm collecting eight cheese's turn and they all it feels awesome the turns go fast I thought when reading the rules and I, I thought that there was going to be slow down with people trying to calculate yeah. how things would go and it never happened because you're kind of limited by that one to three space it's like sometimes you can do it and sometimes you can't but there's no extra thinking about it Um, it it doesn't get bogged down there similar to how I a
1: few years ago when I heard people explain Quacks of Quedlinburg and I thought that just sounds like a ridiculous game I'm never going to enjoy it and then when I played it I was like this game is a that's what first rat was for me again it was a deja vu to I heard multiple starting around Gen Con and certainly through Essen. you know when when early reviewers were getting it and then Essen, like when everyone was talking about it when we played this game, I had a blast. Yeah. I could not believe how much fun it was, uh, how many different opportunities you have to score. Uh, the three of us that that played it have all played a lot of games, but we certainly had three extremely different approaches toward that initial game, which I yeah. thought was fascinating. Yeah. I, and
0: how—, how
1: Fast was that game?
0: I mean, it was yeah. like an hour, right? And, and yeah, def- definitely. And 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 I just it just goes to show you that that you can have interesting themes and do different stuff, and it doesn't have to be uh, a game board covered in brown about uh, moving through medieval Europe. Like, although I like those games and because I, have, I can see all the colors, and, and at the and at the right yeah. move moment, I enjoy them too. I've got several of them yeah. on my shelf, but it's like. Yeah, no, the the number the, of reused themes that pop up and it's like I don't have another game like that. Yeah. You know, and how about a game where if
1: you're doing a game day and you maybe you're already five games in, but you want to play one
0: more because you have an hour. How about first rat?
1: Who's gonna say no
0: to that? No, a great that, uh, great combination. It's like it's not gonna melt your brain, but you have interesting choices. Everything that you're doing feels cool. Yep. While it's having there's never a turn where I'm like, oh, I wish I could have done more. It was like well, yeah. That was
1: awesome. Yeah,
0: so awesome game. Wish I number could three. count to three better. First rap. Great, great choice, Doug. My number two
1: is uh, another just giant game. As I'm looking at my list, it, it was a year of, of big boxes, big games, big production, and that's Wonderland's War, designed by Tim Eisner, Ben Eisner, and Ian Moss amazing art by Manny Trembley. Yes, you've heard Manny's name several times. Same artist that did Dice Throne, also did Wonderland's War. There's two distinct phases in this game. In one phase, you are racing around a tea table and trying to select cards that best fit your character and goals. And then in another phase, you are battling over a specific location on the board to try to win that area, that area control. Um, Card selection and area control, two things I absolutely love. Uh, the weight on this is 2.97 out of five uh, is the complexity. Two to five players with a solo expansion on the way in 2023, 45 to 125 minutes, and that's just based on how many uh, players are at the table. Board Game Geek says 13 plus, 12 plus. Here's what I want to say to our listeners who are playing with you know teenagers, and we've talked to our kids. Yes, they get older over time, but my kids are That's currently so <laughs> isn't it aged seven. Oh gosh, I hate like when you're at the doctor's office. It's seven, ten, and thirteen today in real time, and, and my thirteen year old and I, um, we played this game over two evenings. Um, It did take me a few days to learn the rules and get everything set up and watched a few different videos to feel competent. But in two one-hour sessions, we got all the way through. And Josie just said the other day, we should play Wonderland's War again. I, I didn't know if that would happen. I thought it might be a, a little bit too long. But there are some games that she says that about. Um, you know, Lords of Waterdeep is another one that we had mm-hmm. played this summer. Um, but but Wonderland's War, the, the art, the production is off the charts. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But here's what I really like about it. I like the gameplay. I like the race around the table to get the card before you can. And I like the battling. And then there's another little betting component that comes in, but I've only played it two-player. Um, and, and the reason why it's so high on my list is because I don't really care for the intellectual property. I'm not a huge Alice in Wonderland fan, but the game has so many different mechanisms going on, and the theme just connected with it. The different Mm. uh, characters in there. I mean, the Mad Hatter and the Jabberwock and Alice, they are just spot on. So all of the things that we talked about earlier with really appreciating with Dice Throne of the different nuances and the level of development, I found that here in Wonderland's War as well. Um, and maybe I'm just a huge art fan of Manny Tremblay, but for sure. me, my number two game of 2022 was Wonderland's War.
0: All right. Well, I have not played that one. So well, you got to get that to the table. Yeah. All right. My number two is a game called Flamecraft. Uh, this is published by Cardboard Alchemy, designer Manny Vega, one to five players, 60 minutes and a 2.18 on the complexity scale. <laughs> just just to give you a comparison, my top three are a 2.16, a 2.18, and a 2.2, if that tells you anything. Uh, Flamecraft was a Kickstarter. It's also available in retail. And you are sending dragons out to uh, different shops to activate their abilities. And the more dragons that are at a shop, uh, the more powerful they become. And the more items that you get as you collect stuff and you are using those items to cast spells and you can uh you can play dragons down and and kind of there's dragons in your hand they're called i think they're common dragons that have special abilities on them um, and you play them down and the thing that they're covering up at the shop gives you something but it also you can activate that shop and there's just these I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it, but the, well, the, it's mecha- only our
1: 85th game that we're explaining <laughs> of the night, but,
0: but you doing great. But the mechanisms are so tight yeah. with the way that they work together that once you, and, and this is a great game that has the, the player aid, guides uh, you you, yes. you can do this on a turn or you can do this on a turn and if you do A have you played this with your kids yet no I have okay. not okay. if you do A you you go through this step these steps in order and if you do option B you go through these so it's simple to you know after two rounds everybody knows exactly what's going on Yeah. and then that complexity starts to develop of and I shouldn't say complexity but the, the strategy of, and ways that you can manipulate the system right mm-hmm. that's where to me it's like I love simple games that the 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 strategy comes out by using the game to your advantage right. as opposed to oh well I've got to do this really weird thing I'm forced into this decision or no I, you or, always have a good decision or i have to have played the game 80 times to know what the number one strategy is this is one where it's like it develops over time and and you has fast turns and you uh, can get right in and start playing.
1: Well and sometimes it is somebody can you get bonuses based on what other players do. Yeah. So you have to be paying attention. You know, that yeah, downtime for, for, isn't always down because yeah. you're watching what what's happening on other people's yeah, turn you because can give, I might get rewarded here. Yeah you can yeah. give friendship and, <laughs> yeah. and
0: other gifts and stuff to to other players and that rewards you and uh, the the artwork is amazing. Yeah, Sandra
1: Tang I think is yeah, the artist name. The,
0: the the theming and it's just cute. It's adorable. Uh, great components so awesome game uh and i w- was so happy to have have backed that one and that is flamecraft yeah uh, it, simply an incredible game um my number
1: one game i don't think will surprise anybody it's been high on a lot of lists over this past year and i i felt i had to be authentic and and really keep it at, at number one and um that for me is creature comforts designed by roberta taylor art is by shauna jc tenney and published by our friends at kids table board games we we, we just really appreciate the work that they continue to do um, there's worker dice placement and we featured this in episode 79 on the game Schooler podcast as our game of the week one to five players 45 minutes for me it's always been at least an hour and that's even i just play with the six seasons not the full eight seasons so for what it's worth uh ages eight plus community says 10 plus which i also agree with the community on board game geek on that particular thing uh 2.34 out of five is a complexity so what's great about this game there's a central decision that gets made six to eight times per game uh of of having to place dice when you only have a third of the information so your dice are workers right and you have these two family dice that you roll but then you have to place out all your workers before the other four dice have been rolled uh, so, you know, you have your own family dice and you place it all and then roll the community dice. That level of risk and dug- juggling uh, the decision making and implementing all that's involved, I, I really enjoy that. Uh, this was my. I started something in December as the new year approached, but having a game of the month, so where I just leave a game set up on the table in the basement and really try to get at least one of my kids or my wife down there to play it at least once. And this was the game of the month in December. Uh, we got to play, and it was a, a fantastic experience uh, with, with me and Josie, my 13-year-old, and one that's caused a lot of different interest and attention with other other groups. Um, I've taken this to two different game groups and had people really enjoy it. I will say it has also been a miss with some of my friends. So for me, this could just be number one on on my list. So a little buyer beware before you run out and pay $112 to get the Kickstarter exclusive. Uh, try it before you buy. But I, I really enjoy crafting those comforts and getting ready for for winter. It's, again, where the theme and the mechanics meet. The first gameplay I really enjoyed, but, man, my second, third um, were we're just incredibly rewarding. So that's that's my favorite game of 2022 is Creature Comforts.
0: Yeah, and I think the... I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. I think the overarching consensus is to play with the the reduced seasons. Well, ours
1: is, but no, I think Uh, the family gamers and the people who did their their review talk about the full, and they disagree with us wholeheartedly. But for us, yeah, I know the the Dice Tower is
0: is on is their their thought process is is playing at the lesser.
1: I'm I'm sitting in a room with hundreds of games. If I go in my basement, there's hundreds of games. We like to play a lot of games. Yeah. So if we could play three games, let's just take kids table board games, for example. If we could play creature comforts and recreators in the same night and fossilus I'll speak for you and me, we want to play all three. Right, You're the guy who said, do you want to be, what, a cowboy, an astronaut, (laughs) and slay dragons all on the same night, right? Something like that. So that's where I'm down with the – I don't have to continue an awesome engine for another two rounds. I I built an awesome engine. We see who the winner is. Let's move on to the next game. So I agree with you, but there are others out there who – Yeah,
0: and I I think that comes to me more from the idea of if you're playing this with family and non-gamers – 100%. You do not want to play – in my opinion, when we I, aim for an hour, I would say you play with the six, we, and we, you're going to have I, a better I, experience I'm with agreeing those. With yeah, you.
1: I'm just saying the whole, its not universal. Um, and to just put a bow on, on my top ten here before I send it over to you, Roberta Taylor. You know, when I click down under Roberta Taylor on designer. Um, there's a few other games, but again, this is one of the, oh, actually more than I'm going to take the, I'm going to stop before I say something completely false and erroneous disregard. (laughs) Um, but, but a a great game from kids table board games that, that I enjoyed a lot. And I look forward to playing in years to come. Yeah. Awesome. A
0: a follow-up in that universe is coming in 2023 called Maple Valley. Yeah. Great artwork. And, uh, I know when I played that with my daughter, she loved the, the cards and getting all the, you know, building the little furniture and yeah. all that type of stuff that you do in that game. So And I know that's one that you really love. So Yeah, the dice placement. Just putting dice
1: out on a different location and hoping that it pays off. I, I like it. All right. My number one,
0: I did not think would be my number one at all. That's um, high praise. And, and that is Heat, Pedal to the Metal. Oh, yeah. Um, Days of Wonder, Asger Harding, Granarud, Daniel, Skjold. Uh, Peterson, uh, one to six players, thirty to sixty minutes, two point one six. So this this game, I feel like is approachable. I feel like it is one of the few games that has simulated racing in an approachable way. You know where there's a lot of racing games out there that either lean too heavy to arcade or too heavy to simulation. Where and and one of those examples is is Formula D, which used to be in my collection. It is no longer in my collection, um, and this game is probably part of the reason why. And in Formula D, for example, there's you're taking different damage and wear, and you, if your tires wear out, then you can only do this. But if you you know your well, engine, you know, so heat is fast. It's two yeah. la- two laps around the track. It's perfect, but it's not doing. It's not going to that level of complexity. Yeah, but it's also not just. I'm going to roll a dice and see what happens where in formula D as a comparison, that one, whatever gear you're in, you roll a certain dice mm. and the higher the gear, the the higher the dice values are on that die. So you're going to be moving more spaces and it just gets kind of arbitrary in heat. You set the gear that you're in and you have to play that many cards out of your hand. And there are speed cards that have numbers on them. So I can be in third gear and then I'm playing three cards out. And it becomes a system of managing the heat that's in your inye- engine. So you can uh, push your car and do a boost, but that's going to cost heat. That allows you to move a little bit faster. Eventually, that heat clogs up your hand, yeah. and you cannot play heat from your hand. You have to cool down. And then that that heat goes back into your engine, which you can spend again. There's also these stress cards that, y- that you get. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. That. Uh, You play down, and you are going to be drawing cards off the top of your deck until you hit another speed card, and then you play that. However, you may be going through a whole bunch of other of your special cards that you don't want to go through, that you were hoping to draw on a later turn. You have to manage your your corners in a way that— you
1: only get seven cards in your hand. And
0: and you can't play—you can't discard— uh stress stress cards or heat cards so they begin to clog up your deck which means that you can only do stuff so if you push your car too much you're gonna have to go a little bit out of control and you might take that corner too fast yeah and you wipe out and you're getting more stress and and more heat and balancing that and and it's like oh now i'm at a, a straightaway opening how how far can i go i can you know and can i jack it up to fourth gear and and play four huge cards right um and and the, the deck management and the efficiency, I've I played this five times now, I think at this point. Um and I have no qualms about taking it off the shelves like, yes, yeah. let's play that. There's this garage module where everybody can kind of customize their cards and you draft in their for car. It. Yeah. Um and, and that adds cool elements where like, you add a card that you know, most of your cards go from a speed of one to four. And you I can add one that's that took like it up eight, to eight, you know, but it's cost, Which is you great on the straightaway in Italy, but
1: you have to – I've had a hard time learning this game, and, and and I love it. I mean, it's in my top ten. I, I cannot wait to play this game more. And I think that it just does some things differently than other games that I've played, and I enjoy that. And yeah. I, I don't have a problem admitting that to, to our listeners. That This one's been a little bit tricky for me to learn because it, there's – A lot of language independence. It is truly an international game. Um, I have appreciated your teaching of it, but there are times where I've been learning this game and I feel bad asking to clarify, okay, what am I doing here? How am I doing it? So it's one that I want to continue to figure out because it's clearly a system that is just getting started. They're going to have an expansion. It's going to continue to be around for a long time. Um, the having to get through corners is, is such an awesome little constraint that's put well, into a racing game because well, I want
0: to go fast, but here I have to be under control and go slow, but I want to go fast. And, well, and, and watching what your opponents are doing it's like, is like—is everybody downshifting, and maybe they're not not going to make that corner. Yeah. You know, you want to try and make the corner on the same turn that everybody else is, um, but there's great catch up mechanisms in this game so it never you're never out of never it. really out never of, out out of it. it i mean i think that my only complaint on this game is the, is the thing that you recommended I, I think there are parts in the the rule book and in the the gameplay that's like a, a a player aid with some words on it to kind of guide people through the steps I, I think once you know it you know it yeah but until then it takes a little bit to get used yeah, to, and I think it's just a little bit. It could they they aired a little bit too simple on the rules. A I, little bit I more. think that
1: was a, an intentional decision. They knew it was going to be a smash hit worldwide. So uh, the, they'll, yeah. they'll
0: figure it out. They, so, they will figure that out. That's um, a good one, though. Man. But that is my number one. And like I said, I'm I, I don't know that racing games are my my number one uh, oh, that's thing. Such a good game, but though. it does such a good job of. I feel like a race car driver. Yeah, that'll you know, be the game of the week
1: coming up here soon. And
0: in, in putting me in a theme, that makes me feel that way, and I'm doing interesting things. So that's my number one heat pedal to the metal. And I hope you guys were buckled up for a long episode this week. Three um, episodes? Is that what we're doing? We're carving yeah, it yeah. into three? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we've, <laughs> we've skipped four weeks, and we, we decided to time. throw them up for, in, in one episode. So in conclusion... Uh, Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, Um, and and so you can keep getting this podcast the moment it gets released. You'll get notified. Like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter, at GameschoolerU. And lastly, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Now get out there and keep gaming.